0: Hey, everybody, welcome to season four, episode 31 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Timmy Trevor. Uh, hello.
1: What? This is not More what? Than Just Code. Oh. <laughs> uh, is this that we start is show? more than just
0: Star Trek, sir. More than just Star Trek, yes. More than just Star Trek. Um, hello
1: it, and
2: welcome. It? Would you is like, like we
1: do we it it for to you today? This?
2: this is a More Than Just Podcast production.
0: Hey, welcome to the podcast, season four, episode thirty-one. My name is Tim Metrow. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Cooline in Mississauga, Ontario.
1: Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the and,
0: fire is so delightful. And hailing from West, hailing from the West Texas town of El Paso, we have Jaime Lopez Jr., who is currently residing in Seattle, Washington. How's it going?
1: And if any of us cut out today, dear listeners, it's because uh, uh, Tim and I are currently getting bombarded by snow as we in the Great White North I was trying not to to think about that, actually. Thanks thanks for that, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah, so,
0: yeah, it's funny. I was was listening to another podcast the other day, and they were like, this episode is brought to you by, and I was thinking, like, we should come up with some really sort of weird... You know, just
1: gonna um, improv some ads.
0: Yeah, some some ads like some real you know like like you know like and viewers like you you know like I do on on all those sort of you know NPR kind of things. Right? Yeah, so. yeah.
1: This
0: this episode brought to you by Cable Cuff Cable Ties for <laughs> cabling your cables. And what else have I got on my desk? Uh, also brought to you by Spotcast holographic stickers Ooh, and viewers today. Yes, and don't forget the Behringer you know Q. 802 mixers with the USB optional <laughs> interface. And West and viewers like you. There you go. All right. Anyway, let's start off with some fact check. So I was talking last week about this comedian show with coffee and cars and Jerry Seinfeld. And the episode, the show was called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. It started out as a online thing on Crackle or something like that, which is like a service that kind of fizzled out and... And Netflix eventually bought it, and uh, Jerry Seinfeld. I was watching some interviews with him this weekend. He was saying that he is not going to be doing any more comedians and cars getting coffee. So
1: I think he's exhausted all the comedians.
0: Pretty much. Well, that and yeah, he, I think you know he's he's like as you know with the Seinfeld thing. He sort of feels that that you know you should go out on a high note as opposed to waiting till waiting till something should get should get canceled. Yeah, mind you, there's a really good episode of him being interviewed by Larry King, who asked if he got canceled or. And Jerry loses it on him, but <laughs> politely, with a big smile on his face. But yeah, you know. anyway, and just just for Jonathan's sake, I did look at the Sony market cap and the Disney market cap, and it turns out that uh, Sony's market cap is 135 billion, and Disney's market cap is 272 billion. So technically, they could, you know stomp on them and rock paper scissors them or whatever they do in stock market I don't know
1: yeah theoretically they could also uh, because Disney does not necessarily need all the manufacturing and all the other things that Sony has they could enter into an agreement with a third party to immediately dispose of Probably more than half of that if they chose to. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cause I I mean I've always thought of Sony as a hardware company. I mean I've you know, been a Sony user fan, whatever, since sure. way before way before the Walkman. Um yeah. And I think for a while there my all my TVs and stuff were Sony Sony branded. Mm-hmm. Anywho, uh, Go Fish was the name of the movie I couldn't remember the name of, which was by Gwen Turner, and it was also a black-and-white movie that was sold at the same Sundance as Clerks, and according to Kevin Smith, so you have to check your facts, this was the first movie sold at Sundance. His Clerks was the first movie sold at Sundance, but also Go Fish, like at the actual, not afterwards or whatever, which is is how things normally work there. Yeah, But yeah, your mileage may vary um, on that fact. So, let's move into the headlines, and Jonathan's up first.
1: Yeah, once again, we'll kick off with some Star Trek news. So, this week, at the uh, Paramount uh, Investor's Day presentation... It was announced by J.J. Abrams himself that we are boldly going back into the Kelvinverse. So Star Trek IV, which will probably have a more elegant name than Star Trek IV, starring Chris Pines, Zachary Kinto, Zoe Saldana, Carl Urban, John Cho, and Simon Pegg is sl- slated to be shooting by the end of the year, according to J.J. Abrams. So we're getting a Star Trek IV after much, much uh, waiting and speculation as to what it was going to be. There's not a lot of detail on sort of, you know, what it's going to be, how it's going to be, you know, incorporated. Although it says, you know, we're going to bring back the classic characters and we're going to do some other cool things too. But, uh, yeah, I mean... They kind of rebooted the franchise with the Star Trek, and then they did Star Trek Into Darkness, which was sort of their take on the con story. Star Trek Beyond, directed by Justin Lin, was sort of like a really high-production-value episode of Star Trek. Yeah, it was kind of
0: like Insurrection
1: with my recycles. Yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't bad. It just it was lacking. It was better than Insurrection, that's for sure. <laughs> it, it certainly was. But it wasn't... Um, it didn't really advance the the universe. It didn't really move anything forward. All it did was just tell a, a you know a fun popcorn movie story, which is fine. But yeah, true. Yeah. I think if you're going to go to an event film now, I think the expectations, especially after the MCU and the Star Wars and everything else, it feels weird to have this just sort of standalone adventure. Storyline, so it'll be interesting to see what four does. If it's just going to be another story, or if they're going to try and move the needle, what they've got in mind. But uh, what uh, what do you two think about Star Trek four? Well, there wasn't
0: really that much lens fare in, in Star Trek three. I was a little let, <laughs> let down by that. <laughs> well, you
1: know? Jeremy Lin versus JJ, you know. Oh, was it
0: okay? That would explain it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. it was very much like a video game that that particular episode. You know. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I really like the. I really like Zachary Quinto as uh, as Spock. And um uh, I think Chris Pine sort of does it. I I love Carl Arb- Urban as um as uh, McCoy and, and of course Simon Pegg, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm all in.
2: I'm all in. Yeah, I'll I'll be up for it. Um sad to think about um what they'll do with, with Chekhov's situation, given that Anton yet. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, a few years yeah, ago. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I I would hope that perhaps maybe that they would dedicate the movie to him and you know make a reference to his character well, going didn't off to Well, did they to do that adventures. in the last movie
0: though? They they did they did uh, put it out in memory of him. I believe at
1: the at the end time. Oh right? no, you what? I think you're you're I think you're right. They um yeah. I mean, obviously he starred in that one. I think he died before it had been released. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's I mean it's it's obviously it's a tragedy and obviously it's really sad that he's gone. But, I mean, it's not Kirk or Spock or McCoy. It's not even Ohura or Scotty. Like, it really, due respect to, you know, Walter Koenig and, and George Takei. And, you know, th- those guys are at the bottom of the of the first class. You know what I mean? Oh, my. Yes. Sorry. So Sorry, I was, George.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, it's funny, though, that you say that about Koenig, because cause he was one of the few people that was in just about everything. Like, you know... Mm-hmm. Um, like after the fact, like he did a lot of, a lot of post star, Star Trek, Star Trek stuff. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. And he, and he was brought into sort of, he was the, the monkey, like he was brought in because he had the sort of monkey like hair and the youth, youth angle and stuff like that. Right.
1: Well, and I think so. it was important to, uh, Gene Roddenberry at the time, he, when he came on, he well, came on in second right. season, right? I think it was important yeah. for him to envision a future where there was not this adversarial Russia versus U.S. kind of men, mindset, and that, of course, Russians would be working with Americans because that's a happier, better future, which is what Roddenberg was kind of getting behind, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, By the way, did you hear that the International Space Station is going to be um, dropped into Earth orbit, like like burnt, like strategically burned up? no speaking of speaking of canada and russia and you know the united you know the international space station right yeah i just heard that the other day it's going to be um i I think it's like it's less than 10 years it's probably like four or five years from now
1: yeah well i mean again i know that uh that some of the modules for sure degrade over, over time, even in space, right? So True. And it's the only place to be really, truly COVID-free, it seems. Well, and I know that uh, there's a few different countries that have their sights set on establishing permanent bases on the moon, too. So I think we oh, might true, see a yeah. shift from the need to have that there versus versus having those bases permanently affixed to the side of the moon. Yeah.
0: It only takes a couple of days to get to the
1: moon, so that makes sense. Right? Oh, and maybe we'll find a way to get there sooner. Who knows? Well, I mean, you know, the whole
0: idea behind the moon, obviously, is is because there's water on the moon, they can make fuel out of it, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. And they can go to other places, which, of course, I'll never see in my lifetime. But there you go.
1: Hang in there, buddy. You might
0: make it. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah. So...
1: And Then on to our first sad news news of the day. Yeah, we we know we got to we got to jump in with this one just because even though it's sad news, I think we need to do a celebration. So unfortunately, the other day we got news that uh, famed director Ivan Reitman, who was not Canadian but was raised in Canada, uh, he passed away at the age of seventy five. Uh, of course, you know Reitman is a, is a an icon, most famously known for directing Ghostbusters in his collaboration with Dan Aykroyd. Obviously, another Canadian, um, you know, famously, you know, also father to Jason Reitman, who's also the director of the most recent Ghostbusters movie, as long as well as other movies, and Catherine, of course, is on uh, Working Moms, a uh, popular Netflix slash CBC show, but. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, movies like, you know, Animal House and Meatballs and Stripes and, you know, I mean, this guy directed so many influential comedies. He's also, he doesn't get enough credit for for really turning Arnold Schwarzenegger's career in a different direction. Schwarzenegger during the 80s was really known for, you know, Conan and Terminator and Predator and these action films. And Reitman saw him as somebody who could be really funny and put him in Twins and Kindergarten Cop and jr and stuff like that so um and he also directed one of my sort of quiet favorite uh political comedies which is dave with uh with kevin klein i love that oh yeah sigourney weaver i really like that movie Mm -hmm. so i mean this guy had a huge career he had uh you know a massive influence on pop culture with the work that he produced uh obviously a well-loved um um person here particularly in the city of toronto i mean again the the reitman name is is uh is all over the toronto film festival and and uh and the the the, the district in which that that's made and yeah he's uh he's just a freaking legend and and uh you know obviously 75 is a decent life but it feels like we were you know still still cut short with somebody who had that much talent and gave us so much but uh yeah an amazing 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 director that uh that's gone all too soon yeah for sure i didn't know his relative was on working moms is that his Catherine, yeah catherine's
0: the star oh that's his daughter oh, okay. yeah huh yep And yeah, she looked familiar but i wasn't sure
1: how. yeah it's funny if you if you see them side by side you're like oh there it is oh yeah
0: yeah oh yeah definitely yeah cool yeah sad news anyway i did watch the superb owl um last week i was trying to you know wanted to watch the the, the halftime show you watched the actual football game part no well i had it on but i wasn't really paying attention who pays attention super super owl what i what i do is is i actually i actually pvr it and this is funny because you know it's the only thing that i ever pvr that i actually watch the commercials because i usually pvr so i can fast forward through the commercials right yeah, now so, you're
1: fast forwarding through the football and well as,
0: the yeah fast forwarding through the football <laughs> game kind of going when's the next commercial you know like Yeah, and then and disappointingly, we talked about this. We talked about this on more than just code many, 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 many times. In that, you know, we do not get to see the American commercials. No, I mean that's what YouTube's for now, right? Well, yeah, exactly. I think the only one that I mean I mentioned was we saw like a like a, a a teaser for. Uh, Doctor Strange, and I think we might have seen. No, I don't think you, oh, Jaime mentioned Moon Knight. but I don't think we even saw that one, right? So yeah, we did see some interesting, some interesting uh, Canadian commercials, obviously, because because it, it apparently like uh, like there was even a TD commercial run there for their new Easy Trade app, right? Um, that you know they they specifically targeted for the for the Super Bowl, right? So sorry, so superb owl. Um, anyway, but I'll let you take over.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it's it's always interesting to see what sort of makes the rotation. What what people are willing to spend money on obviously it's very very expensive to advertise it's, oh i just it's... want to interject though hmm. canada beat the u.s
0: in the gold medal women's hockey game yesterday <laughs> last night just want to just want to put that in there
1: yeah <laughs> and uh and uh, some people are saying that was the the finest uh finest women's team that's ever been put together that canadian team that's true i did hear that yes and they were from canada right they were they were and they won and they beat the gold the medal canada, team, right? canada yeah. won the gold yeah, medal they and, and they yeah. i can't remember who they beat in the final
0: uh, you know, and it's funny because I was I was listening to to uh, um, Haley Wickenheiser's book um, the other day, and she was saying, you know, you you, you don't win silver. Just want to
1: point that out. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I I laughed. I can't recall which player it was. One of the Canadian players before the game was even played. Are we talking about hockey again? We are. But it just okay. this this it was the most un-Canadian thing I've ever heard, and yet I loved every minute of it. She said, "We our purpose in going out there and playing the United States is to prove that they don't belong on the ice with us." I was like, "That's awesome." Oh no, that's, really. She said it before <laughs> the game, and then they walked out and backed it up. I was like, "That is that's bold. That's bold." Did she say sorry a at the end nope. or what? No. I don't think that team apologizes for anything, but, uh, yeah. Anyways, wow. yeah. but we digress anyways, Super Bowl, uh, ads. It was, it's, it's interesting to see what people spend the money on, right? Of course they, you know, they cost a lot of money to advertise. You wonder what they're going to promote, what they really want to put there on front street, what they want you to, to walk away with. So, I don't think we really got anything, and and maybe Jaime, you have a different opinion, you can can definitely let us know, but I don't think we got anything we weren't expecting. We got a Moon Knight teaser, but it wasn't really even as good as the first trailer that they had put out, or the second trailer I guess they put out. We got a Doctor Mm -hmm. Strange trailer that was a little more substantial, and that one had some... Moments and we'll, we'll talk about these in more detail in a second we got the Amazon Lord of the Rings a series uh, Again a real look at it this time with actual moving people and not just hands that are holding things and then we got um, I'm going to steal your thunder here. Jaime, but we also got the nope trailer for Jordan Peele's nope so But there was also
0: Jurassic Park I wasn't expecting that one and my question is did Samuel L. Jackson not make it through the first movie he did not he oh, not. that's why. He, so that's why he did, they didn't need to resurrect him for this one.
1: No, no. If, if he made it, he uh, he's he's short one uh, limb because at one point oh, they uh, yeah. find his arm. So yeah, and there was a Ryan
0: Reynolds movie in the in the in the link you have here with all the, the yeah. The we've history. got a,
1: a recap. We'll have it in the show notes. There's a recap from e, EW.com dot com that basically has here's the best of the ads we saw. Right. Oh, no, that was
0: not what okay, That was the best of them. Okay. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then the other ones, we've got some links to like the specific, uh, individual ones that are sort of in our area. Jaime, did you, did you feel like this was a good, like, was there anything that surprised or pleased or was different that sort of caught your eye? No, I think these were
2: more or less trailers that sort of made sense to, to show off for the Super Bowl. Um, The one I didn't know anything about, or I guess two of them I didn't know anything about going in were uh, The Atom Project, which maybe we had talked about and I didn't, like, it doesn't have a natural name that says uh, Sci-Fi with Ryan Reynolds, so maybe we had heard about it. And then uh, Ambulance with uh, um, uh, Gyllenhaal was one that was... Weird. <laughs> oh, but well, you know, if you went and saw a movie in a the theater, you would have seen the ambulance trailer.
1: Yeah, was, we saw that before. before it, what was okay, it? We it. saw in the fall. We saw something that had. That it was a probably... movie. We were in a the
0: theater. and We saw it in the movie theater. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe Spider yeah. Guy, something like that. Spider. Oh, it was Spider-Man. Yeah, it was Spider-Man. Spider Man. Yeah, Spider Man. Spider Person. It looked really okay.
1: good on that in the, in the on the no, trailer. No, it didn't.
0: It, it looked like it looked like somebody said, "Hey, let's get an ambulance and film an, a movie in an ambulance." Is what it looked like to me. Yeah. Did you, did you not find that? It was like it, it, like, d- what's it does have the stupidest concept it's it. like okay we've moved we did the phone booth already let's do an ambulance now
1: right yeah yeah i don't know i thought um i mean i like jake Gyllenhaal hall as an actor and i like um i thought it just looked it i don't think i'd go to the theater to see it but it looked like an interesting little thriller i would i, I would probably watch that if it was on a, a streaming service
0: Yeah, but it's like you know they rob a bank they get caught i gotta get you home yeah i, pro- I, I know. promise i'll get you
2: home
1: i know it's true you know, they I, I take over it.
0: the ambulance you know like it's like you
1: it's plot twenty-seven, right? It, it is, but I, I like Yahya Abdul Mateen too. I think he's a good actor, and I think I think that it could still be better than average, anyways. But we digress. Um okay so let's 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 just sort of quickly chip through these and sort of see so moon knight i don't think we really saw anything new in that trailer that was like oh my god what a moment i think it it you know we got a little bit more of him in the costume but it was really it was only a 30 second teaser there really wasn't a lot of there there um to just look at it like it's trying to be trippy though I mean, again, we we talked about it before, you know, Mark or or Moon Knight is a is a very troubled person. He has um, uh, multiple personality disorder. And so it's it's going to be dealing with his mental health issues quite candidly, obviously. So, uh, yeah, I think I think they're putting that on front street, like get ready for a bit of a head trip. The one that really caught my eye was the Doctor Strange because they gave us a lot more stuff. And there was a few. Uh, WTF moments in there of like, is that what I think it is? Especially, as again, as a comic fan, as somebody who's pretty connected to this uh, larger world, uh, there was a few like, I know what that is, you know, kind of moments. Um, and then, of course, in the week or, or half a week since since those ads came up, people have been dissecting it frame by frame and breaking it down and zooming in and blowing up. And, and so... There's all kinds of little Easter eggs and hints and stuff in this trailer. Yeah, but it crosses over from What If and
0: Wanda and, and the Spider Man movie, right?
1: It 100% builds on those. Spoilers for and, and Loki, to be fair. And
0: Loki. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Loki. Yeah. The, the whole, that whole. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So this the is the first part. time
1: that the driving force for a movie has been Disney. Plus. Like, you right. could go yeah. in without watching WandaVision and Loki. And what if? But you probably shouldn't, or you're going to be missing out. Yeah, true.
0: And the Spider-Man movie though wasn't didn't they catch that? Very wasn't much it, wasn't so. The whole sort of like this was caused by what you did in that movie.
1: Almost yes, right? I, I think that's the vibe. But um, uh, so I guess first I'd like to get your impressions, both of you, Jaime. What did you make of this more robust look at at Doctor Strange? It looked interesting to me, and I swear I had seen it
2: before, so I, I think I saw the, the leaked version on Twitter or something. Oh, okay. It seemed eerily, eerily familiar with um, they showed the different, I think they showed the Moon Night. Well, if spot. you saw
0: the Spider-Man trailer you saw part of this movie.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, initially I think they were supposed to be flipped. I think Doctor Strange was initially supposed to come first. So, oh, really? hmm. I think they actually went back and did some reshoots with Spider-Man to, to try and flip them so that they made more sense. So, I th- I think there was initially there was a different order, and I think the COVID kind of tweaked things a little bit as far as when they wanted to release them, time of year, and everything else. Because it makes more sense to have certain movies at certain times of year; they do better at the box office, yada yada. I got the impression that um, yeah, these movies are pretty intertwined. I think obviously, Spider-Man will be sort of required watching before you go see Doctor Strange. It,
2: it seemed interesting, so looking forward, uh, looking forward to that one. No,
0: as, as I, well, I think I kind of already mentioned that, you know, obviously Wanda, Wanda uh, is in it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Several Wanda's about, at that. Is, oh, is that what it was? Oh, Yeah, I
1: mean, there's, there's a scene in the trailer where you see Wanda facing Wanda. Yeah, and there's also a couple of Doctor Stranges, because there's the dark Doctor Strange from,
0: from What If, yes. right? Um, and more than the, that. Yeah, the, yeah, and the whole, and the comment that she makes to him in, in, the, in the trailer, so no spoilers, that, you know, I, when I, when you do it, you're a hero, when I do it, I'm a villain, yep. right, sort of thing. Yep. Um, mind you, she's the Scarlet Witch, right? But and and you know uh, the whole because I, I think we kind of knew I think probably probably from what you've been telling us for the last couple of months that that his actions in the Spider-Man movie are going to create problems that are going to have to he's going to have to deal with, right?
1: Yeah, and, and from the stuff we saw in What If, and from the stuff we saw in Loki, and the stuff we
0: saw in One Division, right? So what I was kind of wondering was like. Like, because it sounds like his buddy, I forgot the name of the character. Wong. The, the, Wong. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, he sort of has a warning for him in, the, in in this movie, too. He warns him, obviously, in the Spider-Man movie not to do what he's going to do when he does it anyway. Because mm-hmm. he's American, but... Can <laughs> I say that out loud? I'm oh, sorry. Um, but, uh, but the, you know, the whole, like, he he kind of does... I kind of wonder if you can see this movie without knowing... Everything about the MCU, or even knowing those three pieces you talked about, like you know, like you know, the, the what if the the Wandavision and, and Loki, because he obviously gets he gets you know handcuffed for his actions for playing with temporal roles, right? Mm-hmm. But but then his whole t- his whole deal is temporal mechanics, right? Well,
1: so. I mean the time stone is a major component of the first Doctor right. Strange movie, although now the question is does he still have the time stone given the events that happened in True, right. Infinity War and uh Endgame, but I I think he can just restore it from backup though, right? Yeah, that's right. I think it'll be really interesting to see how all this comes together. They they gave us a ton and it it was such a fast cut trailer. Like you never you were never on a scene for longer than 2 seconds maybe in that whole trailer. It's just cut 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 cuz they want you to just sort of get that there's a lot going on in there but they really don't linger on anything so it, it leaves you a lot of stuff to look at but not a lot of ways to connect it so you're sort of left to your own devices Yeah. so to, to go into um, not spoilerville necessarily but speculationville just for a few minutes uh, so if you don't want to spe- play speculation game with us uh, you know just, just skip ahead a minute or two but so if you look at that trailer in conjunction with the teaser poster that they also put out at the same time there are some pretty clear things that I think we're going to see so we saw the Doctor Strange the the Doctor Strange Supreme that we saw from What If we saw pretty pretty clearly actually speaks in the trailer so we know that it's tied into that sort of What If thing and I think the way that they left What What If made that pretty clear that that was a possibility we also, uh, on the, the the teaser poster that they put out, we see uh, what looks an awful lot like Captain Carter. Um, so, there's now people speculating, oh, is Captain Carter going to turn up? Uh, are we going to see a lot of stuff oh, right. coming from mm. that, that what-if universe? And that opens the door to, are we going to see, you know... Who knows what possibilities are we going to see? Uh, you know, alternate Captain Americas. Are we going to see you know uh, all all possibilities become open when you open into a multiverse? Right. And the other thing that people swore that they can see in in very briefly is uh, part of Deadpool. And oh, really? The big thing that was in the trailer. So it's you have to pay attention and listen to it. But at that point, when we see Doctor Strange in uh, manacles. And he's clearly being sort of interrogated. We hear a very distinctive voice, and that very distinctive voice is Patrick Stewart. Oh, really? What? And there's only yeah, one character. The, uh, Council of Ricks kind of moment, that exactly. They, that they're marching him into. So the speculation is that this is going to do for the X Men movies what Spider Man No Way Home did for the Spider Man. Oh, you think movies. it's Professor X? i think it's professor x and i and there's a lot of speculation oh, out there say. that it's professor x there is a group in the comic books that was created 12 10 12 years ago called the illuminati and the illuminati is made up of some of the most powerful heroes in the marvel universe and they sort of have this little little club that is quietly behind the scenes kind of you know, pushing chess pieces around. In the comic books, it's made up of uh, of characters including Iron Man, Mister Fantastic from the Fantastic Four, Charles Xavier, Professor Professor X from the X Men, Namor from Atlantis from the Fantastic Four comics. Um, oh geez, who else is in there? Oh, and Doctor Strange, of course, Doctor Strange. And so there's a lot of speculation to the point where this week on the comic book market. Every early appearance of the Illuminati shot up from being like a $5 book to $125 book. Really? Wow. So from the speculator market, people are 100% convinced that the Illuminati are going to show up, that Charles Xavier is going to show up, and that we're going to see some variation. It won- may not be exactly, obviously, the comic books because they certainly do take liberties and that's fine. But that we're going to see a version of the Illuminati that will include Professor Xavier making his real MCU debut And that that will be the thing that opens the door to mutants entering the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So if all that speculation proves true, that's amazing. Um, There have been a few memes floating around there where, uh, you know, in Jaime's hold my beer uh, uh, motif, where... (laughs) Uh, you know, all of a sudden people were like, oh, so the Marvel Cinematic Universe technically starts with Spider-Man now because the initial uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man actually is part of the canon now. And, uh, of course, you see Professor X and and uh, Hugh Jackman as as uh, Wolverine saying, hold my beer, bub, like, because <laughs> now that, of course, came before Spider-Man did. So if they if they canonize that, we'll go even further backwards. So, um Again, pretty exciting. Pretty exciting possibilities that have come out of this. Like, I mean, I think we were all in the bag for Doctor Strange as it was, but the idea that they're going to continue to expand and grow and and uh, adopt more of the original comic book movies and really bring these things together is truly exciting. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. And this is going to be in theaters in July, right? Yeah, it's it's not far off all things being equal. Right, cool. Um, The next thing that we have for a trailer is Lord of the Rings. We got a little bit more of an actual look at things moving. Again, pretty, all things being equal, fast-moving trailer. We really didn't linger on a lot of shots for very long, but we did see a variety of different uh, races from from Middle Earth, and we saw, you know, some different characters, and of course they're setting it up as obviously it's a prequel to the uh, the Hobbit and to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, so they can kind of do their own thing, although one of the main characters will be Galadriel, who of course uh, was played by kate blanchette in the original uh, lord of the rings movies so there's familiar but faces also, in there because there are some of these characters are, are essentially eternal yeah galadriel and and uh, elrond as well as yeah. in the trailer yeah which yeah. again elves live a while so mm-hmm. i don't know what did you guys was did it get you any more or less excited i think
0: i'm kind of less excited to be honest with you i mean like you know, I like the Lord of the Rings thing, but, but I mean, the Lord of the Rings as a book was great. But, I mean, it just seemed like the Lord of the Rings thing was all about the battles, right? And mm. there was just too much going on. And then The Hobbit, broken down into three movies, was entirely too long. Oh, God, yes. Right? Yeah. You know, like, it, like like that was a good book as a book, and it could have been
1: a movie, <laughs> Even you know, yeah, I can maybe, see splitting maybe, it into two because there is a bit of a natural two, yeah. break, maybe two, but boy, three was yeah. too much. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I I've had a hard time going back and watching that again. But um but I you know, I I did I, you know the whole getting the whole finding of the ring and getting getting to the getting to the, the treasure and meeting the dragon, that was, you know, smog was was, was a pretty cool part in the book, mm-hmm. right? Um and I think didn't they get to smog in the first movie? No,
1: the second one I think is second Desolation one, of Smog yeah, is yeah. the second movie. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the so, third um, one is when everybody comes for Smog's treasure right? Right. Yeah, and
0: then the yeah, I mean, so for, so I'm already I've already got a little Lord of the Rings fatigue, and um, I to be honest, with you, I think from a story point of view, it's more fascinating that there's one ring that survives the nine rings, as opposed to doing let's do a story about every you know cufflink and your <laughs> ear, earring and and you know you know neck chain like like it's ridiculous like like to think about it so i don't know i mean Plus, you know, I think I think the whole like, is this based in anything that's written by um, Tolkien, or is this? Yeah, apparently it's based on based on
1: a lot of the appendices and expanded stuff, all the the notes that he made and and everything. So they they bought the rights to sort of everything that he had ever conceived. So some of it is from the backstories that he wrote for the characters, and and some of the stuff that pre existed. Okay. I mean, where do you stand on Lord of the Rings? Do you have Do you have fatigue? I mean, I think the the Hobbit movies kind of wore a few people out. I don't really have uh, fatigue because it's been some years.
2: Um, I, I don't know that I'm I'm like uh, super hyped for this, but I think it's something I'll watch, uh, similar to the Wheel of Time on Amazon. Um, so hopefully it's uh, you know hopefully it's good. Yeah. That's that's best I can hope for. I, I know there were. <laughs> Uh, folks disappointed about uh, comparatively minor and nitpicky details, like you know, why don't the women dwarves have beards? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty. That's a pretty interesting deep cut, and I don't think that like this is a weird one because I think Lord of the Rings, the movies, the Peter Jackson films, were absolutely not successes because of the hardcore fans. No, no, no matter how many times you saw it 20 times in its first run, that's cool. It was a mainstream film, yep. uh, it certainly helped, uh, you know, realize what the, the hardcore fans wanted, but you can't make mega movies that are super popular the mainstream by like queuing to every nitty gritty detail. So, I think it would have been weirder to have. The women dwarves have beards. People have been like, what? What's going on? Why do they have? Oh, you you remember this one casual comment that Erica (laughs) makes?
1: (laughs) read. You know, all the appendices. It's like, okay. Yeah, it's a perfect point, Jaime. I think I think that's honestly what I think I had a problem with and I know a lot of people had with The Hobbit was they tried to sort of milk every little thing out of that. So they got into like the different colored um, uh, sorcerers and, you know, like Radagast and oh my, like there was so much stuff that just should have been cut. As as Tim said, you you could have told it in one three hour movie pretty easily. If you wanted to stretch it out into two movies at like two hours fifteen to twenty, sure, okay, I I, I get it. You want to make money, fine, whatever. But, but three and including every bit of minutia from uh, it's what like a 250, 260 page novel. Like, come on, it was too much. It was too much. All right, Jaime, tell us sure. about Nope. Why? What? What? What's got you excited about Nope? I mean, it says from writer-director Jordan Peele, that kind of gets my
2: interest uh, right away and then, you know, gathers my attention with, you know, they don't really reveal a whole lot. It, it's setting the mm-hmm. stage, the mood of, there's this, um, like, horse ranch or dude ranch of some sort, a person who has a character who has a great, great, great I don't know how many greats they said grandfather yeah. who was in the original, um, uh, first film of a horse, uh, a cowboy and a horse sort of thing. So they certainly seem to be setting up some, uh, you know, black history as part of the, the theme. And it, I don't know, it just looks kind of interesting of like, what the heck is causing these problems? What do they say? Nah, 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 try to get out, <laughs> try to nope themselves out of there. And, and it, it just seems like a, a, a cool movie to watch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Had you have you, you seen his previous two movies?
2: Uh uh Get Out and um us. Oh crap. is it Us or Them cuz there's an Amazon series. Okay, Us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I uh I don't know. I'm not I'm not a big horror movie and the, and I don't mean this in a denigrating way cuz I have not seen the movie so I cannot speak to it. But my impression from watching the trailers and you can please correct me if I'm wrong both of you. They feel like M. Night Shyamalan movies. They feel like the... What a twist! Like, they're just... They feel like yeah, it's yeah. not what you think it is. It's something else. Like, and I I wore out on M. Night Shyamalan after, like, a couple of movies. Um, are these better than that? I think...
2: Uh, yeah, there is twisty stuff in there. I'm not going to deny that that's there. I think, for me, it's kind of a, a different perspective. You get that... Um, that black culture perspective and, and, mm. uh, sorry, not us, um, get out plays probably the most with that. I'd have to watch us again to, to double check what goes on there. Um, so I think that's one of the the angles that I appreciate it from. Uh, I, I get your point though, that if there's like a weird twist in this one, it'll feel like the, what a twist thing that they, yeah. <laughs> you venture
1: from, uh, from robot, Chican, robot chicken. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What a twist. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Let's uh, wrap up of, of our favorite Super Bowl ad spots. Cool. Um, now we'll jump over to Netflix. So speaking of Marvel, which we were a few minutes ago, we got news this week that Marvel shows, the Marvel Netflix collaborative shows that were quite a, a milestone as far as as uh, for Netflix and for Marvel characters on TV. Uh, are going bye-bye so marvel's shows are leaving netflix uh at midnight on march the first so you have a very short window if you have not yet absorbed them all and most interesting is that they're not leaving with a destination it's not like they're being pulled off there and they're going to immediately reappear elsewhere they're just gone now, there is a lot of speculation as to what the final fate of these will be. We we even engaged in that a little bit in our Slack chat where we were talking about, well, what makes sense. Here in Canada, obviously, we have a little bit of uh, flexibility with Disney+, Plus because we have the Star feature, where Star is kind of containing Hulu content and more mature content. So... They could put it on that here. In the United States, Disney Plus tends to be a little bit more sort of um, younger audience sort of catering, and, you know, considering that the Marvel Netflix shows have graphic violence, language, sexuality, nudity, stuff like that, they seem unlikely to end up on Disney+. Plus. Hulu makes a little bit of sense, given that Disney obviously owns the lion's share of it. Uh, but the other question is, again, do they, do they want to put these in a drawer somewhere and be like, yeah, it never happened.
2: Hmm. I think they could coordinate it off somewhere whether uh much more distinctly in hulu and then making the hulu bundle with disney plus and espn plus like that much more appealing or uh an adults only you, you got to choose the adult profile and enter in the special code to get to them sort of thing i, I could see some options here with disney plus
1: yeah yeah um, and maybe that's but, it maybe there's a larger plan there for disney plus But it'll be interesting, too, because, again, as we're starting to see, we talked about Doctor Strange, as we're starting to see this sort of absorption of past content in its way, will they find a way to canonize it or will they say, oh, that was a completely alternate universe and, you know, the characters that we've seen are, you know, if if we bring back a Daredevil character, even if it's played by Charlie Cox then that's not necessarily the same character who had the exact same experiences, or they may just never make reference to that again. Like you can watch it and you can say, well, I've seen that, but they don't have to acknowledge that that's something that he did. Yeah. I do kind of wonder
2: how they'll end up playing it. Uh, Multiverse of madness stuff seems like it gives them an easy out They'd be like, Oh, it, <laughs> it was the same thing, but then, you know, Final Crisis Earth stuff happened and it collapsed into a singular reality. And now any any inconsistencies are a result of the Multiverse of Madness
1: collapsing back into one kind of thing. Yep. Like I could see a comic book answer to that. But it does spring to mind. Like again, you start thinking, like how how deep in the well do they go in this stuff? Again, are they going to try and fo- find a way to truly canonize Agents of Shield? Are they going to find a way to canonize? You know, like how far back do they go? Those original couple of Fantastic Four movies, the Ben Affleck Daredevil movies. Like where, what, how far down the rabbit hole do you go on this stuff? You know, or are they just going to pick and choose the things they like? Right.
0: Well, they eventually brought all the all the. Disney brought all the Star Wars stuff that they've done over the years, I except I don't know if the holiday special, but... Um,
1: but, they, they, but they've but they listed it as as exactly how they've described, same thing with the old comic books and the old books, they're calling them legacies, right? They're not real, they're not canon, they're legacies. So same thing when they did the, the uh, Geta um Clone Wars, right? They basically said, this is a Clone Wars story, but it's not a canonized Clone Wars story. Yeah. So any of that stuff, the Ewoks live action stuff from TV, all all the stuff that they put on Disney Plus are being clearly characterized as this is other, not part of the canon. So in Star Wars, the only things that are actually canon are the 11 theatrical movies plus Clone Wars, Rebels and Bad Batch. And, then, and of course, Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett now, but that's it. That's, that is the extent of canon, although canon now also includes anything that is post-Disney Dis, post acquisition, anything in comic books, novels, and video games is also considered canon. Hmm. Interesting. So again, Marvel hasn't made any clear distinctions as to what is and what isn't, and again, that gives them the flexibility to cherry-pick, right? Yeah,
0: so you don't think those things are going to show up on... On some service, some, well, because Netflix is the only place to consume them. Or, well, I or, guess they're. Actually, no, they're coming, they could come over to Disney Plus, though, right?
1: Well, that's the question. So, what we don't know is who owns the rights. Are it, you know, does Disney have to pay a. Uh, uh, certain amount of money to Netflix to free them up or, you know, who has the controlling interest? Is there you know, like we when we knew when they canceled Daredevil and Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Punisher on Netflix, there was a caveat in the contract that said that those characters cannot appear in any Marvel property for two years. So that's why when they they left, we never saw those characters until now we're starting to see these little Easter eggs. So we're seeing, you know, glimpses of Matt Murdock and we're seeing glimpses of Jessica Jones' apartment. And so now they can work that stuff in if they want to, because they now have the full reverted rights of those characters. They can rehire those actors. They can do whatever they want. I wonder if there's any kind of caveat like that around uh, putting these on other services after creating them with Netflix. If it says like, yeah, you you know once you basically hit the end of this contract, we'll pull them off Netflix, but you can't put them anywhere else for a year, two years, five years, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if you want to, you have to pay us twenty million dollars, right, which is chump change for Disney, but still. So, yeah, I'm really curious to see what happens to them. I think, you know, we've talked about, you know, I just finished watching the final little bit that I hadn't seen yet. Uh, Tim, I know you were working your way through the Daredevil stuff. Um, Jaime, I don't know how much you've watched of this stuff. Have you watched uh, a lot of the Marvel Netflix stuff? Let's
2: see. I saw all of Jessica Jones. I saw all of um, Luke Cage. I saw Defenders. I think I've seen a little bit of Daredevil. I don't think I saw anything of Punisher. Um, Or Iron Fist. Iron Fist, I didn't see it all, so I kind of caught up on the details of the character in Defenders. Yeah, yeah. So, when do I have to watch this by? You have till the end of this month. And oh really? I
0: better better Peter. I've been yeah. You know, I guess better get back on it because
1: yeah. It was it was with great disgust that my son had the same realization because he was actually well ahead of me on watching them and and then I sort of made a committed effort recently to to watch them which actually worked out well for me but now he's got I think uh, twenty episodes to watch in in two weeks so he's got to kind of get at it.
0: Yeah, I'm only going to finish Daredevil. Don't think I'm really going to watch any
1: other stuff. But yeah, did you go back and watch Dead, uh, Defenders? I, yes, I watched Defenders. Yeah. Because yeah. it does really fit in with Daredevil continuity. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll see where it ends up. Again, interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they they find a home for it, and in a, more importantly, if they start to integrate those characters. Some of them are great. Like, I thought Mike Coulter was an amazing uh, amazing uh, Luke Cage, and I thought, uh, obviously, Christian Ritter is a great Jessica Jones, and, uh, and Charlie yeah. Cox is a great... Daredevil and, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio, an excellent um, kingpin. Like, there's there's a lot of stuff to cherry-pick out of there. True, yeah. All right, next up, uh, as we continue a, a lot of headlines this week, news this week from Deadline.com that there is a new Blade Runner project in the works. This one is particularly interesting because it is a Blade Runner project that is a television program, live action, from Ridley Scott, and yeah. set in... 50 years ahead of the most Blade Runner recent thing that we've seen. So, Blade Runner 2099 is apparently in development at Amazon Studios. Uh, And yeah, Ridley Scott, who directed the original 1982 Blade Runner movie with Harrison Ford, is apparently going to be the creative person behind this. And it is a follow-up. It is a... um, uh, a follow-up to Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which I know, uh, you know like, I loved. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it, you know, again, part of that was obviously Denis Villeneuve is is, is just a beautiful, uh, you know, beautiful eye and a, and a wonderful filmmaker. But really, really interesting to see if uh, if this actually comes to fruition. Obviously, you know, things are in development. You never know if that's a guarantee. But um, really curious to see what they do with continuing moving it forward and particularly interesting to see what what comes with a time jump when we come 50 years ahead of what we've seen and we've seen a pretty interesting vision of the future where does that where does it go from there so the original Blade Runner movie was supposed to be set in 2019 and we jumped to 2049 now we're jumping ahead another 50 years to 2099 I you know obviously the nice thing about that is they're not beholden to having to cast Harrison Ford they're not beholden to necessarily have to cast um, Ryan Gosling Ryan. Or, or any of the other actors that appeared in, in the most recent uh, iter- theatrical iteration. But, of course, you, you could. I mean, I'm not sure that he wants to do an Amazon TV show, but... Yeah, I just hope it doesn't turn into, like,
0: Matrix 3, right? Like, Yeah. You know, because, I mean, that was a sort of the end of the movie. For spoilers, if you haven't seen it, it's been years now come on folks um the you know like they they sort of meet the underground you know um survivalists who are behind the sort of um can androids have kids kind of deal right mm-hmm. um you know and 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 the fact that you know that like maybe do we actually go and find this this mythical you know surviving baby or not right mm-hmm. um you know because k at the end of it kind of just meets these people and uh, discovers that there is this, this sort of, you know, uh, myth, like, the, it's almost like a lore, like this, this, uh, they're trying to find this evidence of this um, child that was born of of um, Rachel, right? Mm-hmm. And um, probably Rachel Decker, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, or Decker And, um, yeah, I just, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of wonder, like, sometimes do they, do they write these things just because they're trying to capitalize? I mean, like, you know, Denny Villeneuve did a great job on the second movie, right? Yep. Um, and it was, you know, it was enough to leave it as it own, as it own. I mean, there were some characters in there I would like to the, like them to explore, or, or you know, some things about the society, like you know, the whole um, underground that you know, the underground people like that that Mackenzie Davis came from, mm-hmm. and you know, and even even the robotic uh, partner that Kay has, you know, oh, the Darmus uh, character, uh, virt- yeah. yeah, virtual, yeah, that that was pretty cool stuff, and the fact that she was like every any time you saw sort of a virtual woman, it was the same actress. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that kind of was interesting. And, and I mean, so, but the thing is like, you know, the, the first movie was, was about the, you know, the lifespan, right. Mm-hmm. About, you know, wanting more life. The second one was, you know, was more about this, like, again, this the search for this mythical child. Right. And who is the child and, and is Kay really the child? Cause K has the memories, but mm-hmm. you know, those are implants. Right. So I it I just, you know, I just hope he doesn't, you know, wreck it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know that's, that's always the fear is, you know, although we talked about this, I would always take a sequel to a prequel. I am really fed up and I'll be honest, even that's the part of the Lord of the Rings thing that's kind of turning me off is stop looking backwards. Maybe, maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah. I think that's why I like the Mandalorian and, and Boba Fett. So much more than I like, you know, the, some of the things that they've done in, in other stories where it's like backwards, 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 backwards. We're always looking backwards, you know? Like, I don't, yeah, Rogue, I don't care what they Rogue were Rogue like when they were always, kids. I don't
0: care. Yeah, yeah Rogan was okay, right? As a standalone movie. You know? It was, but um, it, because it but, wasn't
1: a, it was a prequel, but it wasn't a prequel to certain characters or right. situations well, we'd seen previously.
0: Last, last it, yeah. yeah,
1: but it, more or less, it was sort of on the fringes of what we knew. It wasn't about, you know, oh, wouldn't you like to see him when they were a little kid? Like, nope, nope, no thank you. Yeah, and then and then the whole, and
0: you, you know my objection to the third uh, Star Wars movie, um, the third of the prequels, right? Because it was kind of like the last 20 minutes was, and and then you get into the whole, you know, like, it doesn't fit because, like, you know, I keep, you know, it's the Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't ever remember owning a <laughs> and Yeah. You know? And then you know he doesn't know who's who uh, he doesn't know who um, Luke and Leia's parents are like Clo you know
1: yeah. do you rem- not remember dropping those two kids off you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think uh, I think accidentally when they took uh, at the end of that movie when they took C-3PO to have his mind wiped that Obi-Wan was like standing oh, too close to
0: the door or something maybe maybe that's it yeah I didn't know that
1: C-3PO had his mind wiped yeah no that's one of the last things that uh, that um, Bail Organa says in the things is basically you know yeah take the protocol droid and have his mind wiped that's why, why C-3PO doesn't remember all these adventures is because he says mind wiped but R2 does because he hasn't, right, right.
0: And, you know, and that's that's almost stolen from. I don't know. I, t- I think I told you about the Robots of Dawn book by Asimov, right? Mm. You know, it's this the the Caves of Steel and Naked Sun and and um, uh, Robots of Dawn are a trilogy about this Earth man named Elijah Bailey who does who does de- like whodunit detective stuff with R. Daniel Ovala. And o- Ovala is a robot. It was like an android, right? Yeah, humanoid or android and there's this other sort of trash can robot like not quite trash can but this other robot that is like the R2D2 and has uh telepathic abilities and he's manipulating all these other characters in 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 the robots of dawn to make them do what they do and and Elijah Bailey and discovers this and figures it out at the end like that's you know that it was actually this other robot that was behind the thing and, but he but he was doing it in a sort of benevolent way of manipulating People and and other other sentient uh, android, robot-y kind of people. So yeah, it's kind of an interesting. So he's kind of like the R two D two. So it's kind of like R two D two is sort of you know um, his whole his whole arc is almost the same as that other robot, right, from the asthma stories. So, yeah, yeah. You know, being being like he's the he's like he's the missing link, and then you know like we see him in Book of Boba Fett. You know. F- plugging in the pieces of of the fact that he stuck around with luke and went through luke's training with him right sort of thing you know yep.
1: hmm. blade runner of have any interest to you jaime A tv show
2: um i, I might end up watching it it kind of depends on what the the premise ends up being i think i enjoyed 2049 so did you know the the altered carbon did you get through season two
0: i never did go back and watch season two i've only seen season one yeah, I watched. I watched like maybe three episodes of of season two, and I just, I just, it just didn't work for me, right? So I might have, might have to go back and watch it again, but because I've seen some some screenshots from the from the new the latest version, but yeah, the first one was really good, but I found the second one was kind of like almost like a almost prequelish, you know? So hmm. that's why I kind of lost interest in it. Yeah, I mean, like when you have these arcs that kind of resolve themselves, you know, like you get the whole beginning, middle, and end kind of thing. There aren't any loose ends. I mean, in Matrix, admittedly, there were some loose ends, right? Yeah. Um, That they they felt they wanted wanted to do. But, you know, I just, what do they call that? What's the world called um, where the free people live?
1: Um, Oh, Zion?
0: Zion. Yeah, I just, just, you know, I couldn't get into Zion at all.
1: (laughs) What? They're having dance
0: parties. It's a thing. Well, that's true, that's true. It's, I saw that on Fraggle Rock, I think I <laughs> had enough of that.
1: <laughs> have you watched the new Fraggle Rock? No, no, I, I noticed that it hit a bit
0: The out. doozers are animated and they talk. Oh, weird. Yeah, that's wrong, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, they still look like finger puppets, but yeah, the fact that they their mouths move and they have, they have conversations, it's just, no, that's wrong. Yeah,
1: that's a little scarring. Yeah, for sure. All right. All right. Speaking of scarring, yeah. Well, no, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this one. So, one of my very favorite uh, former daily newspaper strips, now uh, an online strip, Bloom County, Bloom County, uh, which ran for a long time in the '80s and '90s, and then took a long hiatus, and then came back a number of years back by creator Berkeley Breathed, um, is being developed as a animated series. What? So I don't know what to make of this. It's an animated series at Fox through its animation studio, Bento Box Entertainment. Uh, just like the strip, it will center on a collapsed lawyer, a lobotomized cat, and a penguin in briefs with wearing fruit head- headwear, living in the world's last boarding house, in the world's most forgotten place, deep in the dandelion wilds of flyway, way over country to wit today's America at a glance. So uh, I love Burke Breathe's uh, sense of humor. It's always resonated with me. Um, it was something that I, one of the first sort of uh, newspaper strips that I was drawn to, really liked the characters, really liked the vibe, read all the books, read all the characters. I am currently uh, right across my desk from me. I have a stuffed opus, uh, The Penguin, and a stuffed Bill the Cat, which my grandmother gave me when I was probably uh, 10, maybe 11 years old. And. Um, yeah i love i love it they did do an animated special at one point a number of years back they did a christmas special called based on on one of breathe's uh books called a wish for wings that work and they right. did a, yeah. a 22 minute animated special on that which was pretty good and so yeah it'll be interesting to see uh, what what this is like whether or not this works in this format but i i must admit i'm i'm intrigued because i do love these characters so much build a cat is uh one of my very favorites and and i i'm curious to see what this looks like in this
0: format Well, oh, interesting I'd, yeah you're right i've forgotten that they had i was trying, trying to think like i was trying to remember what why i why i have it in my head a voice uh, opus's voice right but yeah um, but yeah, that makes sense with the other animated piece already. Yep. So, yeah, we'll see. I, like you I said, I like the characters too, right? So yeah, I, I use Bill all the time when people need to be told.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think it's going to be interesting because it's a, a strangely adult kind of comic strip. Uh, mm-hmm. Adults in both the uh, like Bill yeah. the Cat and and uh, others just get into like weird. Um, implied sex and nudity type stuff and then mm, adult yeah. in the existentialism and the craziness of politics and, and taxes yeah. and stuff it, it, it's a strange one it's not like a south park or a simpsons or something bob's burgers it's it's very odd to turn that into series after all this time but mm. you know I, I think he still does stuff on twitter i don't know if he's anywhere it's it's almost like a web comic now um yeah, yep. very different than than catching the newspaper strips or the the like uh, collected works compendiums at Barnes and
0: Nobles or something. Yeah, we follow him on Facebook and and he posts every now and then to to Facebook. Mm-hmm. But it's it's funny, like like you said about this sort of reminds me of like I posted to you guys in Slack the other day that you know I was I was asked to tune into Netflix on one of our TVs upstairs so my granddaughter could watch you know Octonauts Ring of Fire. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes for that, of course. But um, the, you know, as I as I turned on Netflix, uh, of course they're advertising Disenchantment, right? And we disenchanted. What's it called? Um, and she immediately says, "Oh, what's that? What's that about?" I'm like, "Oh, hell no!" And <laughs> <laughs> try to no, it's a very it's it's it has adult themes. She says, "What does that mean?" I'm like, "Yeah, not for
1: not for you, you know." <laughs> But thanks, Netflix, you know. Yeah, trying to try avoid the stuff with the uh, blackout drinking and the, uh, you know, sex with dwarves and elves. All the more reason to have child profiles on your, your account.
0: I
2: mean, yeah. To be able to have one, right? So, anyway, too bad. Oh, look, it's Jaime's turn to talk. Paramount Plus has apparently done the math and said, we need something besides Star Trek, and <laughs> it costs a lot of money to make these costumes in CGI. What if we just go ahead and have... A second season already, you know, not in the show we haven't even seen, right? In the works for, yeah, for the Halo TV show that comes out in about a month. This just seems like good business sense to me. Uh, They're talking about it as like being, um, yeah, reflects the confidence we have in the power of this series. I'm like, okay, sure. But I'm thinking you thought the math made sense (laughs) that it would cost you only incremental dollars to make a season two. Might as well just have it queued up and ready to start being produced.
1: Yeah, so. I think I think the phrase there is "in for a penny, in for a pound," right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Huh.
0: yeah. Well, maybe maybe there's hope for
1: Pamela ta- um, and Tommy
2: season two. Huh? <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so, Halo first season, March twenty fourth, two thousand twenty two.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think it makes perfect sense. And honestly, I'd have been surprised if they didn't make more than one season of this anyways, just given the popularity of the franchise. Like, uh, when I saw it, I, I honestly didn't go the same place you did. I was just like, well, obviously they like what they saw and they were like money, 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 merchandising, money, 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 money.
0: Yeah, well, I guess they don't make hot messes anymore, right? Like... Used to
1: well, I'll see you and raise you, Cowboy Bebop on on Netflix, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I haven't Mm -hmm. seen it yet, so I can't can't comment yet. Yeah, so you know, there's still there's still some messiness about. All right. Well, speaking of video games, uh, we also got news this week that Netflix has acquired the rights to Bioshock, the popular uh, video game franchise series. So this one is, again, it's it's right there with Uncharted and and Halo, frankly, as, you know, one of the 21st century sort of hit games that everyone has talked about. Like, oh, that would be a great TV show. That would make a great movie. But it's kind of floated around. There was a lot of discussion about whether or not it would, you know, happen there have been sort of ties in the past. They've talked about, you know, apparently Gore Verbinski, who did Pirates of the Caribbean, was going to do it at one point. Um, But, yeah, now Netflix has apparently acquired it, and, uh, and they're looking to develop a potential cinematic universe. So, a series of films potentially based on the bioshock universe so bioshock for those who do not know is a video game series that initially is set in this um underwater world that is sort of um How would you describe it? It's, It's like this sort of dilapidated underwater city. It's called Rapture. And there are these sort of monsters and mutants that have sort of taken over the place. You in the video games are the protagonist who has to sort of modify yourself to try and... Overcome these these impediments to try and find out the mystery of what happened here and why and, and that it's it's a tremendous video game series. I've really really enjoyed playing it. Dark and scary at times. There's a scene in the first one that still haunts my dreams. Um, where you end up, you're basically in a in a an underground and under this you know under the sea morgue. And all of a sudden the lights go out and then all of a sudden these mutants just start attacking you in the dark. It's really really quite quite unsettling. Um, so I wonder, I wonder what, how the vibe of it will be. I wonder sort of how they envision this coming together as a, as a sort of cinematic universe. But, uh, but I think I would definitely want to see it if they make it. Um, Jaime, have you played Bioshock?
2: A long time ago. And and I was kind of wondering about the, the big daddy and the little, little daughters. I forget what they call the.
1: Yeah. I can't remember what the, they call the, the little the, ones yeah, anymore. Little sister, little sisters, little, little sisters, little sisters. sisters.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it'll be a, a weird, interesting one. Um, I'm trying to think of what, what the style cinematically would be like. And, and maybe House on Haunted Hill would be a, a pretty good mm-hmm. cinematic, uh, cinematography, cin- cinema. Oof, what's the word here? Uh, cinematography. Cinematographical, but (laughs) whatever the word is (laughs) there. uh, You use the cinematography similar to uh that might give you the right mood, especially for things that you talked about, like the morgue scenes.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: could be cool. All right. In lighter news, Paranoid Plus is saying, Hey, uh Sonic 2, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, I should say, the movie that's coming out. We believe so much in it, we're gonna give you a knuckles. TV show with uh, apparently Idris Elba is the it's, uh, Knuckles the echidna. Mm-hmm. So he'll he'll right voice that we yeah, we already talked about him being the echidna right mm-hmm. and, in the movie and now he will continue that role in the Knuckles TV show Paramount Plus right and will he hang out in the and sell drugs and stuff or what's the what's
0: the deal <laughs> not going <laughs> to. Dark, dude. Dark. Wow. Like you guys, like, <laughs> paying, it, paying attention or what? <laughs> we're,
1: just, we're just gonna keep you hanging there for a minute or two. Let that <laughs> sink in for the audience. Yeah. Sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. No. That uh, it's a it's it. Again, I still haven't seen the the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, so I can't say that I'm excited for a. Uh, and you don't know what Knuckles
0: sells, so you really don't know. No,
1: that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, Knuckles coming. Um, yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to uh, to see how they continue to spin this stuff forward. But, I mean, I get why it works. I get who they're going for. Like, you know, they're, they're timeless characters. Like, I'm glad that Sega's finally getting a little more love. I'm glad that new generations will enjoy these characters as we did playing these games way back when. And, you know, cool. I'm I'm glad they're doing it. I still find it incredibly weird that an incredibly talented performer like Idris Elba is, yes, is exactly. like, did they back the Brinks truck up to his house, or did they just have it delivered? Like, how, how did they, <laughs> like, what, what's happening maybe, here? maybe
0: it's the only thing he could do during COVID. I mean, you know, who knows, just, right?
1: Yeah, maybe he just doesn't want to leave the house. Like, But it's just, like, wow, that's, uh, I mean, that's a little off the beaten path for somebody who has been such uh, an, an incredible performer through his whole career. True, yeah. One more, I think, right? Two more. Two more. Two more. Okay, let's, hit, let's hit him quick. All right. We've talked about the, uh, the got to gotta catch them all wars that are going on with all these uh, streaming services. Well, one big domino came down this week that I thought was really interesting. So, South Park and Beavis and Butthead are going to be moving exclusively to Paramount+. Plus. This is pretty monstrously huge, given that these are, you know, iconic animated franchises that have huge followings and could potentially be, uh, you know, big momentum turns for, for the streaming service. So South Park is going to continue to air new episodes on Comedy Central. And uh, that's going to continue for the short term. Their library right now, they licensed it initially to HBO Max, and it's going to stay there until 2025. At which point, it's going to revert to Paramount Plus. Paramount, of course, owns Comedy Central. And uh, then, starting in 2024, new episodes of the uh, show on South Park are going to start airing first on uh, in the US. It says on Paramount Plus. So, we talked about this when they announced those movies, those sort of mini-movies that they were doing in the fall, that those are exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. They aren't on Comedy Central, and they aren't available here in Canada on any other service. So, we're starting to see a tipping point, kids, where, you know, they're now starting to put some very good content that is exclusively to there on those platforms. So... Warm up your wallets because you may be shelling out for South Park, uh, shelling out for Paramount Plus if you want to see South Park in the future. And you, you know, you'd be naive to think that there isn't something like this that is going to happen to Star Trek eventually. Mm. Yeah. So yet another Domino Falls. Yeah, it, it's
2: definitely an area where Viacom, CBS, Paramount, that whole sort of shebang, it sort of makes sense to try to put together what Disney pretty much had from day one on Disney Plus, right? Try to assemble all of this this content. So it, it definitely makes a lot of sense to me for them to do it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we talked in the past about how, you know, Netflix's original model was buy the licenses for all this stuff and put it on their service more and more as these places saw that the kind of money that they were raking in, they wanted to reclaim those things. So as these contracts continue to expire over the next number of years, more and more things, they're going to say, like, to hell with you getting our rights to our stuff. We want our own money staying in our own pockets. And even though they can license them for tens or hundreds or, or, you know, you know, thousands of millions of dollars they certainly could you know keep them on their own service and keep charging charging the public for them right there and then try and get them hooked on more shows and try and go from there so yeah interesting cool. all right
2: last one in an increasingly common uh, thing to do you've got the upcoming season which is the penultimate, which means the next to last. So it's not the final season, <laughs> uh, but but next to last season of Stranger Things, season four is going to be split into what they're calling two volumes, two volumes. So the volume one of season four premieres May twenty seventh, and volume two premieres July first. And we get the uh, the hint in this article here that we have in the show notes for those of you transporting home that um, apparently it was it was so so to the brim with stuff that uh, they're hurdling towards the finale
1: in season five. Planned out finale. So we're getting a two part season four and then a season five.
2: Yeah, and if uh, you've seen, what is it, like Walking Dead has like the final season trilogy and yeah. This Is Us. <laughs> this three is, parts. Us. Yeah, this right. is Us has like the final season split volume or something. Like it's increasingly
1: common for for TV shows to be doing this. So essentially they're putting you on the hook for more or less what is two more seasons this year and then a season 5 that they may well split again so you can argue the semantics it may be one big story but it's really kind of more more seasons and more seasons and more seasons yeah 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 i mean i'm, I'm glad we're finally getting a date on this i mean I, although it has been so darned long now i'm i legit am going to have to back and watch the whole thing over again like i have forgotten more about so stranger things than i remember now it's been so long <laughs> really? Okay. I mean, I remember the highlights. I remember the the high level stuff, particularly the first season, because I thought that was certainly the strongest thing that they probably put together. But I I don't have a lot of strong memories. I I remember vaguely like the Russians and stuff in season three. But yeah, like I just feel like by the time this comes around, I, I might make the point of of sitting down to watch it again, just because I I don't remember a lot of the details because it's it's been what three years? Has it really? Yeah. Wow. Are they playing their parents now or what? (laughs) Well, I know they filmed some of it like pre-pandemic. and They were already filming it. So I don't know if that stuff's just been sitting in the can or if they've gone back and reshot, or how they've dealt with all this stuff. But it will be interesting to see. I mean, again, you know, I think it's meant to have taken like, you know, spoilers, 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 if you haven't watched season three, but, you know, it kind of ends with, you know, a, a, a sort of a, an ending that allows for them to let time pass in a logical way that they can then bring the kids back together again for the next season to solve the next big mystery or whatever. It will be really interesting to see how they, how they accomplish that because it's like, I think I could see if they were like, Oh, and the kids hadn't seen each other for like nine months or six months, but (laughs) three years is a lot. And some of those kids are starting to look less like kids.
0: Yeah. Hmm. All right, folks, well, it's that time of the show where we start talking about something Star Trek-shaped, and this time we're talking about Season 4, Part 2, Episode 2, Episode 9, Rubicon, for Discovery. So I'll leave it to Jaime to do the recap.
2: Yeah, I'll start right off that I recognize the name of the... or the title of the episode, Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. Julius Caesar Crossing the Rubicon. The TLDR for that is... Normally, when you're a, a Roman uh, general, you're not supposed to bring the army back beyond a certain point. Um, and it was like a crime for anybody to follow you, if, if they did, uh, beyond it being a crime for you to do so yourself. And Caesar crossing the Rubicon, despite being kind of a, a, a non-event from like what they actually did, all they literally did was go across the river, was not hugely impactful uh, point of no return as people say where at that point war was inevitable civil war in this case and mm-hmm. caesar ended up being uh becoming dictator for life until his life ended but the point of no return is i think what's intended to be implied in this title right yep so keep that in mind because that, that comes up towards the end of the episode um so we have uh none uh, back at, you know not only on the crew she's got her her airpod breathers that are uh, you know, easier to <laughs> <laughs> easier to deal with than the big, uh, 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 you know, braces headgear that she had before. She's got something a little bit swankier, and uh, she's Starfleet security. She is specifically back to Shank Booker if necessary, right? So the sort of thing that's going to happen <laughs> here is okay. Booker and Tarka have a spore drive. The only thing that can catch up to them is the discovery. They're going to go ahead and let Michael Burnham captain the Discovery, but they do not trust her given her relationship with Booker to like you know shoot him if if need be. So instead, Con uh, sorry, Nun is here to, to to seal the deal, right? To shank him. Uh, was was that a Freudian slip,
1: or was that meant to be there?
2: It's <laughs> So I, you know, I probably wouldn't have uh, have said it if I wasn't looking at the name in the in the notes. Like phonetically, it wouldn't have hit me, but but seeing the the NH. In uh, the notes, did that. Um, we've also got another sort of uh B plot here with Saru and uh President Trina from Navarre. Uh, he has kind of a, a nice little tender moment with her. It's hard to a second. Let know. me get
1: the let me get the soundtrack going for you. Walk-a-tickle-wong, 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 walk-a-tickle-wong.
2: Yeah, it, I mean, in in a uh, Kelpian and and Vulcan emotionless kind of way, it's, it's very obvious that they have a, a thing for each other, right? They they connect with each other even uh, across a Zoom the expanses call. Others, on, on a Zoom Zoom call. on Zoom call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yep. So you know, in the main plot, you've got the discovery that's gonna you know cloak and and jump over to Booker's and Tarka's known location. They think with the element of surprise, um, and they're gonna send it a little shuttle because they can't go sort of all the way into the little asteroid because the discovery is just literally too big. But Tarka apparently is one of those roommates who, like, makes modifications to your house and <laughs> laid, a tra- laid a trap for the shuttle without telling Booker that, like, hey, by the way, I modified your, your ship because this is, like, a huge deal for him, right? Remember, he wants to get to that other universe, and he needs the power source from the DMA. Um, you know, Booker is, like, it's interesting because he is... Sort of seemingly had this uh, what you would call a heel turn in if this was professional wrestling, um, but yep. but sort of not really right. He's like only willing to go so far, and it's really clear that he's not willing to go quite as far as Tarka of like hurting the people that he's been friends with, right? So he tries as hard as to to help save the the crew members who are. Um, uh, was it Saru, Dr. Culber, Reese and Bryce on the shuttle, right? They get saved at like the last second. And he just like... Was
1: I alone in just trying to remember which one was Reese and which one was Bryce? Oh man, <laughs> nope. that is so difficult. They're trying to they're trying to do uh, more, you know, with them,
2: but it's just, it's very challenging at this point.
1: Sorry, I was going to say, please, please, please help us. Like, that's not fair to have two guys whose names are so similar and yet have so yeah. sparingly appeared. Like they've been supporting background players for this whole run, but not like major players. What was the little cat fight that they had at the beginning of that scene about? Well, I think the whole point was they were trying to establish that there's this, there are people who see both sides, right? I think, and I think again, if you take this whole season of of uh, discovery as a metaphor for um, politics in their current environment, and say uh, things to do with current. State of affairs in the world as far as people's perspectives on what they have the rights to and what they don't. I think the idea is that they wanted to point out that it's not like we're all marching in lockstep because we have to. It's that their people have their own opinions, right?
2: Yeah, and and it is something that Saru, like several times throughout this episode, has to be like, look, whatever your personal opinions are in the situation, we have orders to do X, and we're going to do X. Like as I mentioned, that you know Booker, you know, books it after saving the, the crew members of the shuttle, uh, the whole thing is they're going to try to use the, the isolytic weapon. I forget what it was called. The, the big weapon. They're going to use it to, to blow up the DMA. Yep. Right? So Discovery has to, to try to find Booker. They eventually do. They, they know he will be near the DMA. They're not quite sure where exactly the DMA itself is, other than in a very sort of broad sense, given what it does to sensors and how large it is. And they engage in some kind of interesting tactics versus tactics where um, Booker's trying to use, you know, different kind of cool little tricks that Michael's like, Okay, I remember he did something like this. So we're going to try to counter it with that. And they kind of, uh, you know, do cool spacey stuff. Right. Here's where the con thing should be. Right. They're kind of vaguely in like a nebula ish kind of thing, uh, attacking each other with, with, with limited ability, blinding each other kind of thing. And eventually, like, the discovery is like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to put ourselves right next to that toasty DMA controller and, like, we're going to make them shoot through us, right? At least we can physically block this. And they do this kind of interesting tit-for-tat spore jumps and, and, and stuff to try to, like, get in a better position. There's some back-and-forth um, love-tap torpedoes. of like, hey, this is a warning shot. You need to get out. No, this is a warning shot to you. You get out until Tarka just loses, um, I don't know. He's got an itchy trigger finger or something like he sends that full spread. Right. And, uh, you've got this situation where Michael says, look, all right, rather than everybody going with non's plan to like, I don't know, torpedo some particular area that because Booker's area, uh, ship has the sport, dri- the prototype road drive,
1: just like uh, shooting Womp Rats in your T-16 back home. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Michael decides, nope, I'm going to do the Michael thing. I'm going to risk my life specifically to get to Booker. So she gets in a shuttle, parks really close to him so that she can, uh, you know, talk to him. And, and she did took a look at Booker and, you know, kind of convinced him that like, hey, you know what? Um, yeah, what Stamets and Zora found is that this DMA is mining Boromite and it will take about a week or so before it you know, finishes his job and moves on. So. You know, there's that much time to try to talk to the 10C uh, C species, 10C, yep. uh, beyond the galactic barrier, see if we can convince them to stop it diplomatically. Um, Tarka has... Can we have a sidebar for a second? So so I, I kind of was on um,
0: non side there for a minute. You know, I probably, I probably was on her side before she even voiced the words. But she says to Michael at one point, you realize he's shooting at us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like right, is yeah. so, that the
1: Rubicon behind you there?
0: Well, so like the two of them are firing like pro- quantum torpedoes, torpedoes at each other, and you know phasers and and like you know I don't know, I just like if you're on the same side with somebody, like and they pull out a gun and start shooting at you, and you start shooting back, that's a little bit beyond just sort of having a mild disagreement, you know, mm. or difference of opinion. I just like how do they like where where did where does the, where's the justice in that I mean you know like if this was the real life you know they'd be having to fill out reports on all the bullets they used, you know mm. but like as soon as they started shooting each other I'm like wait a minute like why don't you just just blow the guy out of the water if he's going to start firing at us right. Because love, you know, anyway, that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah th- that love. makes sense yes, for yes.
2: Michael's opinion of what Booker is doing and would do and would not do. So these are love taps, like you said, right? Yeah, yeah. the The part that that sort of loses out on that sort of viewpoint is, but Tarka's in there too. How do you know Tarka didn't, you know, shoot Book in the back of the head? <laughs> exactly. Well, we know it was Tarka, but she doesn't know that. Yeah, and and surprise, surprise, uh, he does. You know some itchy trigger finger stuff, and he beams the um, the device over to the Twice DMA. In the
0: same episode, yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah. You, you need the touch ID or the face ID for that sort of stuff, right? Don't don't let him do anything other than be a passenger. Um, he blows up the, um, the DMA stuff, but he's unable to find that power source that he desperately wanted because um, he blew it up. <laughs> he, well, they they thought that he blew up the the DMA. Uh, controller thing, and then the, the null space shield thing would would keep the power source by hand Because remember, he wanted to use that power source to get his way over to the other side of uh, sorry, not the other side of the wormhole, over to that other um, universe, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but apparently, uh, there was no power source left behind because the DMA is powered from the other side of the wormhole, so its power is not on this side, and so we do get. Um, you know back on the ship that Nan apparently didn't get much closure from her uh, modern family when she went to go catch up with them, and like obviously couldn't tell them, "Hey, I'm from the past, time traveler." Um, she didn't get a whole lot out of it. That's why she ended up doing the Starfleet security, black ops side of stuff. We end up with the uh, B story about uh, Saru and um, President Trina, where Saru goes over to Doctor Culver, asks for you know, essentially love advice, and gets told in the professional opinion, that he's being an idiot. Well, he wants to know how to ghost her, first of
0: all,
1: right? (laughs) I really like her, but I never want to talk to her again. Yeah. Um,
2: And uh, it turns out, separately from that, that the DMA is easily replaced. It just shows up right again. And I have a link here to a great Reddit image, which has uh, somehow the DMA has returned (laughs) with with, uh, Poe Dameron from... uh, (laughs) Rise of Skywalker, and we end with the end of the episode, which is that, you know what? First contact has been made with this species. They definitely know that we are here and that we did something. So that's the crossing the Rubicon sort of thing that uh, we talked about from the title. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But we don't get a lot of sort of closure on like the, like what this thing sort of reappears, but like, you know, yeah. Like what's the consequences for, for Book and Tarka? Like, I'd like to see... Like, shouldn't they have been in chains or fired out of an airlock or something by now?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. They should be in the brig or whatever, right?
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, that's what I have a lot of respect for the, the original series. They they threw people in the brig all the time. Yeah, to right? be fair, that was kind of their yeah.
1: go-to move. I don't know if that was like an American 1960s thing where they're like, they're being a problem, put yeah. them in jail.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll let them out later, but yeah. <laughs> Did they have a brig on Next Generation? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: They must have, yeah? They do. Yeah. I don't feel like they used it quite as much as ds9 did given that it was oh, like yeah. odo's favorite oh, 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 yeah. place to have people
1: what was the what was the one they had in the mirror universe episodes of discovery it was like the pain booth or whatever where they, were they not only did they put them the, down, agonizer, the, agonizer, the agonizer there you go yeah, oh god i can't believe go. i forgot that yeah no not every ship needs to have an agonizer not just a brig right well i liked the,
0: the one that they had in in the original series uh mirror universe it just pushed a button and it disappeared
1: yeah yeah
0: Boing. yep yeah
1: yeah, it was, uh, it, I guess the question is, is, is the crossing the Rubicon, that Book and Tarka can't go back from what they've done? Or that now Starfleet and the Federation can't go back from what they've done? Because I feel like now, it's yes. Yeah. I think yeah, I Yeah.
0: I think that generally is what first contact means, is that they want to basically make, like you can't, you know, if, if an alien landed on, on the Earth right now and, and came in some sort of like super drive whatever thing. You know, that would be for us would be a first contact event because we couldn't go back from that. Right. And, you know, they talked about that in in sci-fi stories in the past. But, you know, so that's that's where that comes from. But but, I don't know. I don't know. Like, did did you find this to be an exciting
1: episode? No, because there's no stakes. You knew that in Mm -hmm, the ninth mm -hmm. episode of season four of Discovery, they weren't going to just vaporize Tarka and Book. So there was no stakes. There wasn't. Yeah, they, yeah. The the worst right. they could have done is to have book act so awful that that it was over like irreparably over between him and Michael. And even yeah. that seemed unlikely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, except for the fact that they were shooting each other but you know.
1: No, but did you ever in any of those moments think like when they're like oh the shields are down to 20% I'm like so what? Like it there's there's no <laughs> there's no way that they're going to be like well, the shields are down i guess we're fried like and everyone let's, on let's Discovery, finish died. them off exactly. Yeah, yeah so exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's hard to have those moments and take them incredibly serious. Obviously, the biggest stakes I think that were on the line in this episode weren't. Oh, they're going to hurt each other. They're going to they're going to die. And again, even when uh, Bryce and, and Reese and Culber and Saru are on the shuttle and the shuttle's about to get destroyed, I never was like, oh my god, they're, one of these guys is getting like not. It never. I never really had a moment where I was like, they're all going to die. Like. I feel like yeah. the only thing that was truly on the line in this episode was books crossing the Rubicon, right? His his inability, his his doing something, making a choice that was so far beyond where we'd seen him go so far that he could never rebuild that bridge with Michael, the Federation, Starfleet, his friends on, on Discovery. That was really the only thing that was at line in this episode. And even then, again... They're not going to do that in episode nine. This is just—it's just television writing, right? Like yeah. they're just not going to yeah. do that now. Well, and and and, do you find that,
0: just in general? Do you find the DMA to be that threatening a thing? Like, are you really that worried about the, the current universe of, of Star Trek?
1: Well, we, we talked about it. I think on on previous seasons, where you kind of wish that they didn't just wrap things up in a bow to a certain extent where there's no long-term consequences. I guess we've seen that a smidgen on this side of, you know, the Emerald Chain from last season. They essentially neutered them in one season, right? Like, and, and yeah, this season, yeah, you know, again, yeah. we had the hint of like, well, there's still remnants out there. Non talked about that in this episode. Last week, we got the, the two people that were playing the poker game with them that were trying to get this, you know, Isolinium that could be used to make a, a terrorist weapon. But really, we took... This built up this big bad over the course of the season and then knocked it out by the end of the season. Yeah, There's something, to be, said for, sorry, there's something to be said for just continuing to build something that's bigger or scarier or everything. Do you guys honestly think that we aren't going to have a resolution by the end of the season to the DMA, to the barrier, to all this stuff, that we aren't going to have a, basically a reset and then go into the next season? We know we're getting a next season. They've already confirmed they're doing another season. Yeah, yeah. Are there long-term effects? Are there long-term consequences? Uh well see this is
0: this is a thing like like this emerald chain i mean it was it was a pretty menacing thing, or even even the sort of the way that the mining sort of the you know those those rogue miners on that one that one planet where that that scoundrel was there mm. I've forgotten his name now, though the husband from um the telepathic uh Arquette show you know um but they could have like like this is the beauty of. The original series is that they they had the Klingon adversaries, they had the Cardassians, you know, they had the the Borg, you know, they didn't they didn't wipe them out like you said in 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 five episodes, you know, they they kept them around, the like like Darth Vader, they kind of bounced them off and you know spun them out away, and then they they would come back later on, right? So so they, I think they kind of shot themselves in the foot by by taking away that kind of tension from from you know like they could kind have of had more of these cool. You know, leather-clad emerald chain women around. You know, like you know, charging around, bossing people around, right? But you know, and you know, like the first, like even even this the Red Angel thing, they kind of wrapped that one up pretty quickly. You know, like, and then they never really went anywhere with that. And and the whole sort of mystery of we've lost the whole mystery of Michael's parents. And you know, like that was kind of a a, an unwritten, you know, unknowable trauma for her, right? Um, it's funny when she was sitting in the, in her, in her ready room and she calls in non, they say, please sit. And they both sit down like, now she's like Picard all of a sudden, you know, or, or Janeway without the coffee, you know? Um, I, I, I just find it odd that this was the same woman we watched in, in, you know, prison garb in, in the second episode or first episode of the show. Right. You know, it's it's really weird writing I find, you know? Almost
1: weeks. Well, I mean, but at the same time, I guess the point of that is that we're supposed to see her evolve, right? Like, it's a, it's supposed to be her evolving over the course of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's really towing the company line from being the sort of rebel in the past, right? Yeah. True.
0: True. And running around with a pirate for who knows, like that whole mystery, that missing season of you know where she bounces into the future and there's like you know what five years before Discovery catches up with her,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and she's running around with Book, you know, wreaking, you know, wreaking havoc, right? So, yeah.
1: And apparently learning all kinds of cool tricks that they now deployed in last episode and then deployed in this episode. Again, they keep sort of referring to the fact that they know each other so well, right? They know what they're trying mm-hmm. to do. They know what they're trying to, you know. They, But again, that lowered the stakes, right? You never Because they know each other so well, you were never like, oh, she's going to get him here. Like, he predicted what she was going to do. She predicted what he was going to do. And really the only wild card in there was that Tarka has a little bit of that, um, you know... I don't care, I'll do whatever it takes, kind of thing. And we saw that when he fired that spread of quantum torpedoes. Maybe, you know, he's enough of a wild card. I mean, obviously, he weaseled his way into Book's brain and and tipped him over to the dark side a little bit a few episodes back. Sure, yeah, you yeah. know, maybe he's enough of a wild card that, that things change. I mean, really, I, I that was the only thing I was kind of waiting for in this episode was at one point I was waiting for Tarka to just crack Book in the back of the head and take the ship and do whatever he wanted. In the end, he didn't have to. He just fired the thing. <laughs> like, hey, maybe if you don't trust yeah. this guy, don't, don't let him be able to shoot that thing.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. A book, I'm, I'm not sure if it's the actor or whatever, but like that sort of half smile with the puppy dog eyes that he has, mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't buy him as a scoundrel,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah you know but then he's you know again they've established that he has this sort of code right like he's not just a hard ass he does you know care deeply for things you know he's not just he's not supposed to be han solo he's supposed to be you know a little more empathetic
0: true but yeah i don't know i just you know i'm not really buying it as much as i would in in you know previous previous star truckers kind of things
2: right yeah. you know
1: so where do we go from here? What's how does like we basically now we know that they they can just pop in DMAs anywhere they want, uh, and now they know that something on the other side of their barrier is is messing with their their giant um, mining device. Do you think it's well? I mean, yeah, they pre- clearly have a
0: whole you know yard full of DMAs ready to deploy one at a moment's notice, right? Well, and so. they
1: said that Bryce was working on trying to figure out how to how to uh, communicate with them, right? They mentioned that twice in this episode that Bryce was busy working on the solution to try and figure out how we could talk to them. So is that the next step? We're going to see the the real train attempt to actually communicate with them in the next couple episodes? Yeah, I don't know. I think we've we've moved away from the sort of how does this
0: board drive work on the mycelial network and, you know, um I mean there was some interesting st- like uh, with 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 uh, what was it Lorca? Mhm you know with with him and sort of the 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 mystery of of which you know which um parallel university come from you know kind of thing that was kind of that the first season was kind of interesting that way and it kind of they've kind of lost that that tension that they had right you know yeah like like i forgot that Stamets is working on trying to figure this thing out like to be honest with you until they flash back to him and he's trying to figure it out you know have you figured it out yet no i haven't figured it out i'm still working on it yeah. you know yeah why bother even having that scene you know yeah well, let somebody else work on it. And you come up here to the ship and help us. I forgot what, he, what the, the point was today, but, you know. Yeah. We have junior junior engineers for that task, you know. Oh, yeah, we have a,
1: a our new ensign. Her name is the ship, right? She, she does that she, stuff. Oh, yeah, Zora. Yeah.
0: yeah, Zora can figure stuff out. Let Zora do it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. She's like, I'm not your servant.
1: <laughs> when does my shore leave right. begin?
0: Exactly. They don't need shore leave. That's the whole beauty of them, right? Yeah, really. And I actually went back and watched Calypso. She gets a holographic body
1: and dances yeah, with the,
0: yeah, with the dude. Yeah, yeah.
1: I hmm. was still. It still seems really weird to think. Like I saw the commercial today. That uh, yeah, we're only two weeks away from Picard starting too. So again, we're going to get this overlap starting in two weeks of wrapping up disco, but then starting up Picard. I, I I don't know why they do that.
0: Did you guys see the like the next coming next week thing at the end of the episode? No. Yeah, you know, it's right at the very tail end of uh, you know and they they flash back and forth. Apparently, there there are more plot points coming next week. Oh well. Did, did you see something, Jaime? Like, and it was it was pretty flashy back and forth, and you know there's there were some you know interesting looking graphics that they threw at us. And
2: no, it sounds like you got something different. Uh, they don't show the next time trailer here on the episode. You have to go to the ready room, and Will Wheaton gives it in like the final two minutes of that episode. Which and this one was much more like uh, normal. It was the the president talking to uh, Admiral Vance, and she's like, "I'm going to go on this this excursion to go talk to 10 i C. I'm yeah. I'm giving my uh, my powers of presidency to the vice president. Oh, really? Huh.
0: Hmm yeah there was i mean so so i and i almost missed it because like i said there's like a whole five minutes of commercials and then and then the the show ends but i had accidentally hit the fast forward button and then i realized that oh there was a little bit of michael burnham at the end so i went back and you know put it replayed it sort of like a next next time on discovery and bounced around showed you know some images and dma and things like that so there's more more tension coming Maybe, sorry, there's tension coming. Maybe.
1: <laughs> Real tension this time. Woo-hoo.
0: Yeah, not like this time. This is this is the tenth episode, so it's going to be so much better. It's going to lead into the eleventh episode, right? <laughs> exactly. Stay tuned for the eleventh episode. All right. Look, guess what? There's no there's no book of Boba Fett to talk about.
1: There's no book of Boba Fett, and there is in fact no new Disney Plus Marvel slash Star Wars show forecasts for the next month plus. Which I still I I just feel like somebody somewhere in the programming division just dropped the ball because they have been so consistent on giving us like piece of content after piece of content.
0: And speaking of Disney Plus, as you know, I've been catching up on I've I've had you know some I've been doing some exercises and stuff and while I'm doing it, I'm watching Clone Wars, catching up on mm. all the stuff that I'm missing. Mm-hmm. And so the big giant robot y droid planes, when they're given an order, say by your command. Mm. Don't you think that's kind of lifted from another <laughs> store, another series? You know, yeah. There's, there's some, there's some in, in odd sort of pieces and bits and pieces in in this in this thing, but yeah, definitely I can see where you're saying before that Ahsoka is sort of the main character, right? So,
1: especially as it goes on and Filoni starts to grow his influence. I mean, Ahsoka's his baby, yeah. And you, oh yeah, you really see it uh, as the as the series progresses. How far in are you now? How many seasons? I just saw this low and slow thing where they were showing the...
0: the oh, where they're working the, with the Rebels? Sepa- sepa- with, yeah, the Rebels on how to and how to roll uh, the things, and they're all yelling, at, like, they get too excited, and they start too fast, and it bounces off.
1: Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, and that and that ties into the whole uh, the Rogue One and the characters from there and everything, yeah, so... does it? Okay. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's funny, especially... At, I'm halfway through Season 5 is where I am, actually. I yeah, die. so, you, I mean, you're really starting to get into the, like, I found in the first, particularly four seasons, and bits of five, but the first four seasons in particular, there's a lot more sort of standalone little stories and and one-offs. By the time you get to five, six, and, and the final season, it really is... Like everything matters. They don't, there's no chuffa. There's no. There's no episodes right. that don't mean yeah. anything. Everything means something. So that's where I think for me it really it really picks up and becomes critical watching. Where you're like, oh, okay. So this is this character. This character matters because of this. Oh, this circumstance actually really impacts down the line and stuff like that. And also, I think they they knew that they were sort of heading towards the overlap with uh, Revenge of the Sith too, where. You know, they kind of had to start turning things a little bit, and you know, so you see in some of the some of the characters, just you know, what their motivations are. Again, I, I still maintain, you know, I, I'm I'm I don't love the prequel series because I feel like where it fails is that the idea is that we see the fall of Anakin, but it doesn't feel as really tragic as it should. But once you've watched Clone Wars, it really does. Like the the Anakin character in there is very likable and very charismatic and very, uh, you know, and his relationship with Ahsoka shows a whole different side of him than his relationship with uh, with Padme in the movies. I found it really Much more impactful, so by the time you get to the end of it, and and of course he turns and becomes Darth Vader, it's heartbreaking. It's really, really sad. Like, you genuinely feel it in a way that I never felt when I watched Revenge of the Sith. I mean, obviously beyond like, hey, I just slaughtered a bunch of children, but, uh, you know in the show like i i really came to find an affection for the Anakin character so his his relationship with Ahsoka his relationship with the other characters his relationship with Obi-Wan is so much better explored so that when he finally caves and turns and becomes Darth Vader it is just tragic yeah,
0: and it's funny, like like so. Darth Maul's back, and and it's funny whenever and and I'm seeing the sort of Ventress has, you know been kicked out, and and now she's coming back to she helps Obi Wan in one episode. Mm-hmm. But Obi Wan is a horrible fighter, or unless he's like <laughs> trying to let him trying to let himself be beat up, you know. But yeah, yeah, he's he's not the guy you imagine that that kind of like you know because cause, and it's not Ewan McGregor, but it's 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 sort of voiced like Ewan McGregor. But yeah, he gets his. That's handed to him quite often. Right?
1: Yeah, I, I love Ventress is one of my favorite characters from that world. I find it really sad that she's she's not uh, been brought to, to live action either. But, Spoilers, yeah. But yeah. I love I love Ventress, and I love more than Ventress herself. I love the dynamic between her and Obi Wan throughout that series. Those yeah, two yeah. clearly want to do it. Like they're they're just, yeah. It's, yeah. It, They are basically like using their lightsabers as as you know a sexual innuendo. Like it's it's such a palpable thing between the two of them and i love it i am totally there for it um well and then
0: there's ahsoka making eyes at the young um the senators yep. son, who's one of the rebels and yep. and and it's funny because like again like like this this uh, uh vulcan zoom call we had today where where she could sense you know how he mm-hmm. sort of was feeling i find it weird that the jedi can sense over holograms what other people in the room are feeling yeah right? so. yeah yeah because he sort of says to Ahsoka, you know, I, and she, he sort of says, you know, put your put your feelings aside. You have to put purpose before feeling. And, and she says, well, you don't know how hard it
1: is. He goes, actually, I do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I guess she. Yeah. nobody knows that he's married to Padme at that point, right? Yep.
1: And there's, mm-hmm. you know, even within that, like the relationship between um, Obi-Wan and Satine, right? That's something mm-hmm. that gets really okay. kind of explored in this as well, that, you know, they... They clearly have a past, and they, they, you know, over the course of the series, they delve in and out of it a little bit. But, like, those two clearly love each other, and that's complicated.
0: Well, that whole Mandalorian, like, the whole lore about him having to wear his helmet all the time. I mean, like, but here we see people on Mandalore not wearing helmets at all. Well, so we
1: talked, uh, we haven't really talked about it too much, but... So as you continue watching the series, maybe we can talk about it a little more. Jaime, I don't know if you intend to sort of get into it, so I don't want to spoil anything. But there is this sort of rebel faction on Mandalore that they explore in the Clone Wars, and then they continue to explore into rebels uh, called Death Watch, right? And so Death Watch are these group of rebels who are sort of, um, you know, this outlier band. They're on the moon, and they are... um, you know, they think that, they, that the Mandalorian people are going the wrong way, that they need to embrace violence, they need to embrace their their heritage as, as, a, as a group to be feared and everything else. It's pretty clear when you watch The Mandalorian, if you understand that backstory from, from Clone Wars and Rebels, that the group, the sect that, uh, that uh, Din Djarin belongs to is clearly an offshoot of Death Watch. Oh, I see. Yeah, because because the Katie Sackoff
0: character—I don't know the name of the character, but she, I saw her in—yeah, katan uh, Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. And and I saw the dark saber. Like, yeah. was this the first sort of time it shows up, or did I miss something earlier? No, the dark saber first
1: in? appears in Clone Wars, and then it continues its journey into no, because it just like one of the one of the leaders in in the, the what do you call them, the dark knights,
0: or Death does Watch. Call them, the knights of knee? Death, Death Watch. Watch. Um, yeah, he pulls it yeah. out and he starts whipping around, and it's the same effect that you see, like you know that black with the white yeah, line. There's only one there's, only
1: one. there's only one, and and that is it. And so it continues its journey through the story in in Clone Wars, then you, and you'll see it reappear again, not to spoil anything, but it, it does come back around again, and then it continues its journey into Rebels, and then it continues its journey into Mandalorian and, and into Book of Boba Fett. So it, it's a very important um, MacGuffin through the whole story. It's like a scalabre, yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, it's, that's actually a perfect analogy. It really is. It's supposed to denote, like, leadership and control and power, and so Death Watch uses it as a symbol of that, but it gets sort of... So the, guy, of
0: the guy who's wielding it here, in the episode I just Watch is that the relative to the the guy that be, tries to beat um, Jindarn
1: for yes. it? Clan Visla is is sort of this persistent uh thorn in the side of the the people of Mandalore as well as the the Jedi, and um, right. as it continues, so it's pretty telling again that there is a member of Clan Visla in this group that Dinjarin belongs to, it's another tip that that he's working, essentially. He's following this rather extremist view of Mandalore based on uh, Death Watch ideology. So again, I think in season three of Mandalorian, which we may not see till next year, um, I think we're probably going to start exploring a little more of the Mandalore lore and then getting a little more of the uh, Bo-Katan's perspective as uh, a former member of Death Watch and then what Death Watch really is. And, and he may find himself questioning what matters to him and what his beliefs have been, what he's been taught and everything else. So, again, I, it's a lot. I get it's a lot to have to go back and watch all of Clone Wars and all of, of Rebels. You know, I, I was talking to my son about this recently because he was like, oh, you know, we watched Book of Boba Fett. And he's like, oh, what does this mean? What does this mean? I said, you know, you don't have to watch the whole thing, but there's there's. Probably a good twenty twenty five episodes of Clone Wars and easily probably another dozen to to twenty episodes that you need to watch of Rebels because they really are touching on this stuff in a lot of big ways and this is where the future of the Disney Plus live action Star Wars shows are going.
0: What's interesting though is like so I'm watching them in order right now, but I, I did take a, or a couple of months ago I did find that that Disney does have sets where you can yep. find you know if you you can follow the the Ventress. Thread or you can follow mm-hmm. the Ahsoka thread mm-hmm. and it's sort of here are the 10 essential Ahsoka episodes yep. and, you know, kind of thing to sort of give you the, give you the, 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 milestones of, of their development towards where they are going. So if you, if you don't want to watch all of Clone Wars, you can find these on Disney plus. Yep.
1: But, I mean, in the same way we were just talking about that related to the Marvel stuff where now, again, the Disney Plus stuff is kind of driving towards Doctor Strange and you kind of have to watch One Division and yeah, kind of have to watch Loki and What If... You know, you don't have to watch the backstory. But they're only
0: like six episodes. It's not like they're super long,
1: right? No, that's true. And and again, the Clone Wars and the and the Rebels are twenty two minutes apiece. They're you know they were made for television. They're not a huge commitment. But again, you probably have a good eight hours worth of stuff that you might want to consider watching because you're you're going to get a little bit behind the curve if you're if you're hardcore into it. If you're just a casual, you'll be fine. They'll they'll explain everything as they go, but. Yeah. but But I'll say beyond that, they're just, they're really good. Like as, as television episodes, when Filoni really exercises his control over those two series, it's good. It's really good. Like there's some great episodes, especially towards the the later stuff on Clone Wars and into Rebels. There are some really, really good episodes of television. I don't know if either of you guys have gotten into Rebels at all, but the season three finale is like a two-parter. And it is – there is a Star Wars lightsaber fight scene in that that is as good as anything that's ever been committed to anything on Star Wars. It is fantastic. And, mm. you know, again, the, the lion's share of people would be like, I, I'm not watching cartoons. Like, I'll watch, I'll watch the live-action stuff. I'll watch yeah. the movies, but I'm not watching the cartoons.
0: But it matters. One last thing before we get – one last thing before we get to the watch list. Well, it's, it's, it's I think it's interesting to just – sort of two things one is i found it interesting that when they talked about maul um the the title changes to red instead of uh, yellow yeah like it's kind of kind of like a mirror universe yeah but uh, and that's how you know it's going to be a sith-centered you know story but where does the where does the you know the original animated clone wars i think they were like 15 minutes each where do they fit into things like they've
1: been decanonized the, the the getting like, Tardanovsky stuff, Gennady Tardosky. Is that what that is? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that they okay. they've relegated that to being uh, the legacy stuff. The 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 sort of alternate reality didn't. Re- it's up really there with happen. the
0: droids and the Ewoks.
1: Kind exactly. Of thing, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's,
0: okay. it's not okay. considered canon e- anymore. E E E E Ewoks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Let's move to our watch list.
1: Yeah, so I'll got? kick us off. We've got uh, we got a chance this weekend. My wife and I sat down and watched the entire run of The Woman in the House Across from the Girl in the Window on Netflix. This is the new Kristen Bell thriller slash comedy series. Uh, have either of you had a chance to watch this? I watched the first
0: episode or part of the first episode, yeah.
1: How many of you watched this? No, I haven't seen that. So... It's a very unusual series. It is in that weird zone that some of these shows find themselves where it's not funny enough to be a dark comedy. It's not enough of a thriller or a mystery to be a great mystery. It's kind of got its tongue in its cheek, but then there are parts that seem sort of hyper earnest. It's, It's just it's really hard to put your finger on. Uh, it's it, the loose premise is that this woman who has uh, you know experienced a tragedy in her life is living alone. She spends all her time drinking wine and looking out the window. One day, when she's looking out the window, she sees what she thinks is a crime in the house across the street and becomes obsessed with it. It's it's you know a little Hitchcocky and a little a little um, you know derivative. But, uh, and of course, Kristen Bell, famously of, of, you know, Veronica Mars in Good Place, plays the lead character. And, um, yeah, and then it's basically about her trying to figure out is, you know, was she seeing things? Is it, is it her mental health? Is the neighbor a killer? Is somebody else in the neighborhood? You know, what, what's what's really happening? Did the crime even really happen? I don't know what's going on. It's It's a little bit confusing at times. But... It's saved by the fact that Kristen Bell is incredibly charming. Uh, I've yet to see her do anything bad, really, frankly. And she's very, very likable, in spite of the fact that her character is clearly very, very badly damaged and flawed. But... um it's just such a strange story. Like you find yourself sort of working your way through it, and you're you're trying to sort of decide whether you care about the mystery. Are you supposed to care about the mystery? Are you supposed to care about? Are you supposed to be laughing along at the sort of absurdity of some of it, or are you supposed to be like uh, earnestly invested that there's like trouble a brewing? It's it's a bit of a confusing series, and I'm I'm all that to say. I don't even know how to qualify it if I would recommend it or not, because. It is a bit of a head scratch. It's, it's it's not it's not earnest enough to be a good thriller. It's not funny enough to be a good comedy, and yet we watched all of it and I still find myself thinking about it and talking about it. So perhaps it's better than I give my I'm giving it credit for, but it's um it's an unusual experience. It's pretty tight. It's eight episodes at like 24 minutes a piece. So you can knock it out. And I mean, if you're committed, you can knock it out in an afternoon. We, we, we killed it over two days on last weekend, but it's, um, it's definitely an, an, an unusual atypical watch. There are parts that are genuinely quite funny. There are parts that are genuinely quite like, uh, creepy unsettling. Um, but it's, uh, I, again, I can't decide if I would if I would recommend people watch it or not. I would say if you like Kristen Bell, watch it because she's great, and the supporting cast around her are actually pretty good. Beyond that, I I just don't know. I, I don't know how you should feel about it at all.
0: <laughs> it does it does seem interesting? And it's it, I thought it was sort of like what are those uh, the movies that um, Anna Faris used to be in that were sort of the knockoff but those ones were sort of
1: more deliberately absurdist right like they were meant to sort of take the the piss out of things a little bit whereas this feels very much more uh, it's more subtle it's far more subtle and yet there are some parts where you're like well clearly that's ridiculous like you find yourself and they're having a very earnest conversation but you're like but clearly this is ridiculous like but they're playing it like totally dead on yeah, it's 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 odd, but again, if you're if you're a Kristen Bell fan, she's fantastic. She's as likable as ever, uh, and you know she really carries it and takes it somewhere. Even if you're a little bit find yourself at the end of it going, what? And they do leave the window open for a potential uh, continuation of this if they if they felt they wanted to. So it would be interesting to see where they could go with it. Cool. All right, What do you go first, Jaime?
2: I have uh something on Netflix starring Canada's own Will Arnett called Murderville. It's it's kind of strange. So Will Arnett plays a detective named Terry Seattle and it's a <laughs> it's a weird mix of uh improv comedy and scripted comedy. Um so the the basic premise is that Will Arnett's character Terry Seattle is a detective who uh lost his partner. Um, many years ago, and still sort of pines for that that partner. So each episode introduces a new celebrity guest detective, uh, trainee detective. So you've got uh, in order: it is Conan O'Brien, Marshawn Lynch, Kamal Nanjiani, Annie Murphy, Sharon Stone, and Ken Jeong. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting seeing how you kind of get to play along so every episode has a murder with uh, three potential suspects they go and talk to the suspects they sort of make the celebrities do sort of weird bizarre things as part of the the case and at the end they get to say like who they thought the killer was and then get told yes or no and sort of find out you know what were the clues that led to to the actual sort of crime being figured out Hmm. so it's pretty neat. it has a surprising uh arc to it there is a seasonal arc to the story which is kind of surprising given the way it starts out hmm. spoilers <laughs> i mean it's not a spoiler to say there's an arc like after like two episodes you'd be like oh okay this carries on for the previous one they're not just um episodic it actually does have a light story arc through it cool all right. Well, I I'm watching a few other things too. I watched a really
0: interesting documentary on Triumph, the the, the rock band from the eighties, um was on Crave. Just a very I just stumbled across a very strange little little movie, but um the I watched the first episode of Only Murders in the Building, which is the Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez, yeah. Selena Gomez. She's actually really good. Mm-hmm in this uh you know these three people live in this building in new york sort of like the dakota kind of deal um and you know there's a fire alarm in the first episode and uh they uh they all have to leave vacate the building and they they meet in the elevator and they're all like you know being very distant from each other as, as they tend to be in new york i guess it's the sort of characters that they, they talk about they they um they meet in this elevator and the fourth person gets in and uh they um they have to vacate the building, and they're all sort of very distant from each other. But they end up all in the in a one restaurant together. And uh, you know, Steve Martin character doesn't really like the Martin Short character; he finds him obnoxious and whatever. But they both find out that they watch, they listen to murder mystery podcasts, mm. right? Which is the tie into our show, right? And uh, and she also listens to it. And so the three of them get together, and then they're like, you know, and what did the dog have in its mouth? Kind of like is the, is the introduction once they realize that they're all tuning into the same podcast. right? Mm. And so they decide to start their own podcast, which is where the title of the uh, thing, because of course, you know, it wasn't a fire alarm. Somebody was killed in the building and the person who was killed in the building dun dun dun, was the fourth person who got in the elevator with them. Mm. So now they're, they're So now their their mission in life is to, is to, is to every week have talk a murder, have a murderer and talk about it on their own little podcast. And so that's where we, that's the setup of the first episode. And, uh, of course, you know Martin Short and, and Steve Martin are pretty funny together. And of course, like I said, uh, as a as a third wheel, um, Selena Gomez is, is actually surprisingly really good. Mm. And she's sort of like you know like they're ob- these two guys are obviously in their seventies, and she's you know in her twenties. And so there's there's sort of that sort of side of things too, cool, which is kind of cool. Mm. So yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of those and we'll see how it
1: goes. And I saw that that's actually, it's leaving, uh, leaving Disney plus in Canada at like the end of the month too, which oh, really? yeah, I was surprised by that. When? End of the month. When? Oh, geez. I got a lot of work to watch. watch, watch I know. I was, I, cause that was one that my wife had flagged as well. She was like, oh, I this is supposed to be really good. And we had sort of said like, oh, yeah, when, 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 we have a spare weekend, we'll sit down and we'll start plugging through those ones. And then, yeah, she said she, she flipped by the other day and it said like leaving, leaving at the end of the month and she was like, damn it.
0: Yeah, and I am enjoying the, like I, I t- mentioned last week, I'm watching um, A Suspicion and uh, uh, The After Party. Which, are After Party? Yeah. Those are both, you know, still extremely enjoyable. And, of course, I have to wait till Fridays for those to come out. So, hmm. Yeah, so that's all good. Cool beans. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you where they find you. Always on
1: Instagram and Twitter as at News. All right. And Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you
2: on Instagram. I'm on Twitter as at the dev with the hair.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Almost got you. Uh, Once again, my name is Tim Mitra. T I M M I T R A. On all of the things, Instagram, um, Twitter, whatever. All the Twitter, Twitter. Not not Facebook though. I didn't get that one on Facebook. What
1: about LinkedIn? Where do they find you on LinkedIn? No,
0: LinkedIn. No, LinkedIn. I'm not. I'm I'm, I'm I.T. guy Canada. LinkedIn, surprisingly. Yeah. yeah, and I, it's funny, I joined Twitter early enough that I could have chosen something less boring than my name, but I didn't bother, Didn't think about it any at the time. Alrighty, so I guess that's it for another week, yeah, and we'll see you guys in the future. Bye.
2: bye! 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 Or bye! Sorry, bye! Bye! You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast.
0: So, oh, the isn't the interviewer listen to Smart List? But they always have one of the hosts will go on a, a, a. I don't know if you. The premise of the show is that they. I think you've talked about it last week, where they they have one person. One of the hosts will bring somebody in, and they kind of they don't tell the other two on the show who the who the guest is, and they sort of do a, a sort of faux introduction, and then they sort of kind of get them to guess who the guest is, and then it's like it's Dave Grohl or it's Conan O'Brien or it's you know. Whatever, but at the end of it, one of them always sort of goes on this sort of tire, like sort of ramble, like I'm doing now, where they they kind of tell a little bit of a story, and it always ends up with bye. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. That's that's the time. If people are wondering why I keep saying bye, and that's it. It's over. Music. You're playing. still here. Go home. Yeah, you're still here. Go <laughs> home. Go home. Actually, speaking of which, I got I got to um, go shovel snow. Yeah, same. So. Alrighty. Off to shoveling. Wee. Bye. Go home.
1: That's it? We're done?
0: We're done. We're done. Yeah. Bye. Just like that.
1: Okay, <laughs> Alright, see you next week, guys.